Hello, good evening everybody. Welcome to this Sunday's Green Pass Gaming Sunday podcast. Uh, I'm Pucks. I am going to be hosting today's show and we've put together some really good topics to discuss today. Unfortunately, it just seems to have been another fairly light news week, but there has been a few uh, goings on in the gaming world. And, and of course, things like Forza Horizon 5 have come out amongst other smaller parts. So we're going to be discussing that among others. So before I do introduce the panel, I shall begin by going over the topics that we are going to discuss. So, as I've just mentioned, actually, uh, we will initially start with uh, Forza Horizon 5 impressions. So, the early access uh, part of this has uh, come out to those people on Friday, I believe it was. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter have been highly enjoying that. Uh, and we'll see if any of the panel have been playing it, if they have if they have or haven't, what they think of it, and if they're looking forward to the game. Um, and then, by extension of this, uh, there's also been a lot of... Uh, Twitter uh, conversations and communications, as well as within our own Discord uh, channel, regarding uh, early access on Game Pass. Uh, so this being about games such as Forza Horizon 5, where they are coming to Game Pass day one. However, if you do pay for some sort of extra content or whatever else, uh, you get early access to it. And there's been some interesting back and forths and mixed opinions on this. So we are going to get the panel's thoughts on that and see what we think as well. Um, and then we're going to dive into something uh, a lot different from that, and the uh, we're going to discuss some Elden Ring gameplay, because the uh, reveal trailer for that got released about three days ago, about a 20 minute long segment, uh, we're going to get the panel's thoughts on that, and then finally we're going to end off by discussing uh, PlayStation's investment in Devolver, um, so there's been some extra news that PlayStation have uh, invested more in Devolver, they have a minority stake, uh, and we're going to going to discuss if what that means for uh, PlayStation and Sony platforms in the future. And if we have any more time at the end, we may also then add on about the Microsoft and Sega partnership that got officially revealed and see what we all think about that. Uh, so it's a really good fun show today. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but before we go into those topics, let's go through the panel and I'm going to do it in order. So as you see it on screen. So Luke, Luke Steele, how have you been doing? Uh, have you had a good week? What, have you been up to anything interesting and what games have you been playing? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, um, I've not been playing too much other than Guardians of the Galaxy still. I think I'm fairly close to the end of that now, probably a couple of hours uh, left um, and uh, just loved it, loved every second. Um, don't still rate it as one of the best Marvel games you've played? Yeah, yeah, I would I would put it up there. Um, I'll need to finish it to to determine whether it's better than Spider Man. Uh, I don't I don't think it is, but it's not far. The fact um, that you even have to think about that, look, sorry to interrupt, is actually okay. quite like yeah ridiculous in, in, in <laughs> my opinion. Yeah, the fact that that's not just obvious to you is is yeah, I guess such a sort of um, yeah, just its own yeah. way of seeing how great a game it is. Yeah, no, definitely, I totally agree, and uh, and yeah, it just continues to surprise me really. It, how good it is, um, even to the point where it, you know, that it has, it, it could have used, I think, a little bit more time of polish. There's some stuff that comes up now and then that's a bit um, rough, you know, uh, in terms of glitches and stuff. But because it's so good, you kind of just forget about it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bring the game down at all, which I think is a, a real testament to how enjoyable it is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. Um, so I've been playing a bit of that. Uh, finishing that off. Um, uh, still going through Metroid Dread, although I haven't 
played as much of it this week as I would have liked. You, you still know, enjoying Star- Metroid as well? Still yeah, that, I mean, that that's brilliant. I mean, that's just so good. Um, <laughs> it's just really good. Um, uh, the thing is, I kind of want to finish Guardians and then really focus on Dread because I think Dread is, you know, it's a bit more cerebral. You kind of have to yeah, sure. concentrate a bit more with it. So, um, and then after that, um, I'll be going back to Deathloop, which I've also played a little bit more of this week, which is, again, is really, really good. Really good. But uh, Guardians is just keeping me away from those games. So, uh, again, another kind of sly bit of praise for it. So, and I'm hoping to finish maybe two of those off. Uh, well, no, probably just Guardians off before Tuesday, uh, which is obviously when um, when Horizon comes out. So, uh, yeah, busy, busy. That sounds really good. Really good mix of games there. Um, I'll quickly move on to Scott. How, how have you been this week? Have you been gaming much recently? And has it, Have you been up to anything interesting? Yeah, good, good man. Thank you very much, Pox. Um, my week in terms of games hasn't been quite as exciting as Luke's, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to say. Um, I've mainly been playing just the new season of Apex Legends. I actually had a massive, massive break for that um, from the end of the last season. It was actually the first season I didn't complete the Battle Pass. Uh, but season 11, I think it is, came out on Tuesday, so... Um, I've jumped into a fair bit of that, checking out the new map. Um, in terms of single-player games, I haven't actually been picking up an, an awful lot. I'm kind of, I didn't want to start anything ahead of Horizon, which I'll be putting a lot of time into when that comes out next week or comes out last week, depending on what way you look at it. We'll get into that. Um, and obviously then probably from Forza, I'll be moving into to Halo. So um, I did make a start on it, it Takes Two with the missus uh, just, just earlier today, actually. Um, that went into Game Pass just, just this past week. Um, we probably put about maybe 45 minutes an hour, an hour into it, but um, really like what I played, actually. Um, it was a really um, enjoyable game. I was surprised by how some of the puzzles were, um, how they were kind of both challenging, fun, and rewarding at the same time. Um, not too sure how I feel about sort of some of the characters, one in particular, um, but otherwise, really, really uh, enjoyed what I played. So, but other than that, not not an awful lot. But really looking forward to to getting into tonight's show pucks. Oh, brilliant! That's really good. No worries. Uh, and finally, last but definitely not least, is a uh, our founder and primary host of the show, Flap. How have you been, sir? And have you been up to anything interesting? And what have you been playing this week? Yeah, hi Pux. Uh, hi chat. How are everyone? Yeah, it's been a bit of a week. I've been away on work for most of the week. Um so staying in a hotel and stuff. And thankfully most hotels in the UK have now kind of caught up with TVs in the room having HDMI ports and stuff like that. So I took the opportunity to take my Series X with me. Um because oh, wow. I was kind nice. of staying away on my own. So um I had some time to kill and yeah, my god, have I been playing some so I will, I will rattle off the list. Um, yeah, I, I managed to complete Echo Generation um, early on in the week. So um, I really liked that game. It took me by surprise. And um, we, we showed the, the footage on last week's show and uh, absolutely loved it. And that, that did something very peculiar because it led me on or led me back into Yakuza Like a Dragon. I, I've never nice. really been a fan of... Yeah. yeah, I've never been a fan of turn-based combat. But... I really enjoyed it in Echo Generation. I thought, oh, let's just, you know, if if I can get over that aspect, then I, I know Like a Dragon is a fantastic game. And thankfully, um, I, I kind of got over that speed bump and I am deep into Yakuza Like a Dragon now. Days before Forza Horizon 5 launches and, and weeks before Halo launches. So it's a bit of a stupid thing to do, but I'm absolutely having a blast playing that. Um, 
also been playing some Back for Blood. In fact, yourself and I, Puxley, and my daughter, we played last night, didn't we? We had a, a few we rounds did, on yeah. Back for Blood. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Vanguard came out on Friday. I've been playing some multiplayer Call of Duty. And if, if anyone likes Call of Duty, it's a, it's a fairly good one when it comes to multiplayer. I haven't even begun to think of the single player. And like you, Scott, I've also been playing It Takes Two with my daughter. And I, I think nice. that is an absolute gem. What, what a fantastic game that is. I'm absolutely loving it. I think graphically it looks phenomenal. The, the story and, and voice acting is really good. And I just love the puzzles and how it plays. I think it's a really intuitive and fun game to sort of share with someone. I also like that when you're playing it with someone else, um, even if you're playing online with someone else, you still get the split screen. Because uh, I quite like yeah. that because you can see what they're doing. Um, so, it, you know, if you're playing online or sat on the couch co-op, you, you get the same screen. And I really like that that side of it. It's been really well thought out. And... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a great game, and um, I, I hope it's a contender for game of the year in in some of the categories. But uh, oh, wow. yeah, so you liked it that much? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you need to play it. I, I, I do. Um, I, it, it won't be game of the year, but it will be in there in in one of the categories. I'm hoping. But yeah, sure. um, yeah no, I, I liked it that much. So yeah, quite a busy week for me all round, really. But I managed to yeah, get so lots just... of yeah quality game time in, thankfully. Yeah, despite being work busy, yeah, you oh. managed to squeeze all that in. That's very impressive. I did. Yeah, no, I did. So I've yeah, had a busy work me myself, unfortunately, and I've had not that time. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from a bit of back of blood last night, but that's a weekend, so mm. I could do that. But during mm. the week, my week's actually been pretty light, I'm afraid. But uh, no, it's great. You've all got a good gaming in. It's uh, very good to hear. Uh, unless there's anything else, chaps, I'm happy to jump into topic one. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 impressions. So as I said at the top of the show, during the introductions, this came out on Friday. I know a lot of the uh, early access... Um, players have been playing this. I know a number of our community and otherwise and other podcasters who I follow on Twitter have been showing their gameplay, showing their photos. And I mean, my initial impressions, at least from the, the clips and the, especially the photo mode. I mean, oh my God, I think I saw Wandering Dutch put a, a number of photos up mm. uh, during the week. And I had to do it. Like, it was like a very sim- simple, small tagline. And I missed originally that it had a hashtag Forza on it. Mm. And I had to do a double take because like, the quality of this thing, it, it looked real. Like, I could not believe that this was in-game footage. <laughs> now, I appreciate it's a photo mode, uh, you know, and that, you know, maybe there's some graphical changes and whatever else, but still, like, it looked phenomenal. To the fact I had to say I had to do a double take and just double check that the hashtag was Forza because it just looked so damn realistic and I couldn't believe how great it looked. Um, it, and reviews-wise as well, like, I've, um, I haven't played it yet, I should say. Um, I haven't paid for the extra content to get the early access um, i'm happy to wait until when it comes out uh was it the ninth tuesday 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 yes the ninth um but yeah i i'm i am very much looking forward to this but i should say i guess that i have i mean i love i love racing games i like i like racing games i should say i play them a lot as a kid but i'm not a massive lover of racing games as a whole as a genre it's not one i would typically jump to or go for um so, and I think the last one I probably played again was Forza Horizon 4, but that was after it had been out for a number of years and I finally had a PC that was good enough to play it. Um, and the review, reviews for this as well have been absolutely top. Um, mm. A lot of people saying this is definitely Game of the Year contender. Again, we, this is something that we um, we guessed about, guessed about, talked about and made our own assumptions as to whether or not it would make it at the uh, uh, Game Awards this year at all or anything like that. And a lot of the press and stuff seem to think it's definitely a contender that should at least be on the list somewhere. Um, and <laughs> it just looks great. But then I've also seen some reviews which say 
Like graphically, yes, it's absolutely top of the line. It looks super amazing. Nothing else looks quite like it. It's the best thing yet to show off the power of the Xbox and Series X and S, whatever. Um, but again, they have, the other side of the coin on a few reviews, which have still given it great scores, have also said that it's still very much Forza Horizon. It's not too much different from 4, apparently. And yes, you, you know, you drive around in a big open environment. It graphically looks a lot better. But overall, I have seen a lot of um, outlets state that it, it, it's Forza Horizon. You know, you're still driving around in nice, fast cars. You're doing the challenges. You're doing the standard Forza festival challenges, whatever they're called. Um, but it looks great, and I can't wait to play it. I'm very happy to jump in. I don't personally think it's something that I'd play for an awfully long time, though. Again, mainly because of the fact that racing games... I mean, I love things like Mario Kart, and that, don't get me wrong, but I don't consider that a, a top-of-line Mario game. That's more of an arcade game, I'd say. So um, so let's jump straight to the panel. Uh, I'm going to start with Flap, I think. I'll start from the bottom and go upwards. Um, yeah, what have, you been, what have your impressions been of the game so far? Have you had a chance to play it? Uh, you know, what have you seen online, and what do you think? Is this something that you're looking forward to jumping into? Now, uh, yeah, I am, actually, especially graphically. I think, um, well, actually, before we start, let, let's just get the uh, elephant in the room out of the way. This isn't my game capture footage. I did have to um, borrow this from a channel called MK Ice and Fire. They do some fantastic walkthroughs. They're very popular. So if you're not subscribed to them already, please go and check out their channel. Uh, there is a link in the description below, uh, MK Ice and Fire. It's, it's, a, it's a great channel. Like I say, they do all walkthroughs and stuff. So I have had to borrow this footage, and that probably um, alludes to the fact that I I didn't actually pay for the early access. Um, I was tempted. I'm not going to lie. I, I nearly got the credit card out and, and went for it, but thought mm, it's just a few days away. It's literally wait till Tuesday. And thankfully, I had uh, Yakuza like a dragon on the go as well at the time. So I just literally did not have time to squeeze in another another game, however excited I am for this. But graphically, I think it was Digital Foundry, actually, that got me the most excited because they were very, very praiseworthy of this game. Um, they've done a couple of videos on it now, even to the point where they were saying, actually, you know, playing this game at 30 frames a second because it's so graphically beautiful is actually kind of viable to a certain degree because they've got some fantastic uh, motion blurring and stuff like that going on. Um, I probably won't be playing it, and that are 60 frames all the way, to be honest, but but it's interesting that they can make the game look so beautiful and, and work quite well in 30 frames a second, particularly for a driving game. So I'll probably check that out, to be honest, and just see the graphical differences, but it looks absolutely stunning. And, and to be honest, I, I'm quite biased. I am looking from a, an Xbox Series X point of view, but they've done a fantastic job on the Series S and also the base consoles as well, the Xbox One consoles. They look, you know, fantastic. And when we're talking performance, you know, we are talking literally a locked frame rate of either 30 or 60. So it's a really impressive game. It, it's kind of the first, for my, in my opinion, it's the first big hitter from Microsoft First Party Studios. It's the, it's the highest scoring next-gen game so far. Um, it will be very interesting to see what happens with this at the Game Awards. There's already been mentioned on other channels that you know driving games don't traditionally um, win or, or even put forward in some categories, obviously. But um, it's in, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this one because um, it looks absolutely stunning. It is more of the same. It is kind of Forza Horizon 4, but much more beautiful in a different locale. Um, with obviously more up-to-date cars, but I'm fine with that. I'm I'm really down with Forza Horizon 4. I loved it to bits. I loved just goofing around, um, going for the jumps and stuff. And uh, I am really excited for Tuesday. In fact, I got it pre pre-downloaded. So um, yeah. 
Ah, brilliant. Uh, well, I'm not going to waste any time. Let's jump straight to Scott. What did you think? Uh, same questions to you. Uh, what have you seen online? Have you played the game yet? Initial impressions? Is it something you're looking forward to? Or you like it, but you give it, give it a pass? What's your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I, I'm similar to, to Flap. I was tempted by the early access. We'll jump into that in a, in a moment. Uh, There's a, a, a big reason why, why I didn't. Um, but the so i've not had a chance to play it which is a shame really because i've seen some bloody awesome clips we've got a few people in the uh, in the chat like dutch and uh, i think pyro's mentioned he's been playing as well where um i've been seeing screenshots clips um just impressions posted on twitter on on youtube and it's all so overwhelmingly positive that it's made me a little a little jealous i'm i'm, I'm not going to lie so everything i've seen seems to be fantastic and kind of it it does appear to be quite a quite a step up over over four i think uh obviously while you know yeah maybe it is more of the same i think forza horizon three and four some of the best racing games ever i don't think (laughs) i don't think that's um you know too um too wild to say um so to improve on on those games uh, i think is quite quite the achievement by by playground um i think one of the biggest things i've, I've noticed is uh just the setting of mexico uh, i've seen so many people talk about how mexico just is such a vast improvement over over the uk as much as i like the uk i did actually prefer the australian setting of three um right. over over the uk and four um, but mexico does seem to be um quite the step up so i'm really really excited to be jumping into it I, i'll probably be jumping into it on monday um i'm gonna be taking a, a quick trip to new zealand on monday i think to maybe mm-hmm. just get a little bit of i guess not not early early access but slightly earlier access uh to, to the game uh, and i'm really really excited to to, to jump in pox um it'll be great to hear what everybody else in the chat's played uh of thoughts are if, they, if they've played it because yeah the the just the <laughs> the positivity by is is outrageous i don't know if you guys saw but um people have been looking at the leaderboards and there's over one million people have already seemingly played the game and it's that's crazy not it? until tuesday <laughs> which yeah is 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 crazy when you con- consider that falls horizon 4 i think they announced had like over 20 or maybe even 25 million or 24 million players or something like that it does seem like this is going to be quite a quite a hit for for xbox and you know, then it's only a few short weeks until until Halo after that. So it's sort of finishing finishing the year very very strong. Yeah. It's a quick and question think, for you. Quick yeah, quick question for you, Scott. Actually, because you made some good you made some raised some good points there about you know, especially given the substantial number of players which have jumped into this, and it's not even officially out yet for the rest of us. You know, so do you reckon? You know, why is that exactly? Do you think? Because again, you know, driving games as popular as they are as a niche, I guess they're not mainstream popular necessarily are they i'll just you know mm. correct me if you think i'm wrong there but what do you think it is why why so many people have jumped on this do you reckon it is the graphics that people that is really bringing people in do you reckon or you know in the technical standpoint or do you reckon people just out of nowhere are just loving the fact that you can drive around anywhere did you reckon people maybe missed forza horizon 4 like yeah it's it's a, it's a good question pox and i think um I think to, to maybe answer it sort of with, with two two points. As I mentioned there, Forza Horizon 4 was stupidly uh, popular. Um, it Like I say, I think they announced it was over 25 million players um, just, just a few months back, or 25 million people have played the game, which is obviously a humongous number. Um, I also think because it's Horizon and not motorsport, it's a little bit more 
accessible. You know, I, I think sim races are a little bit more niche, but I think kind of the more arcadey races like Horizon, going back in the day, Project Gotham Racing was one of my favorite games on, on the original Xbox. I think they are a little bit more um, accessible in some ways and people are a little bit... Um, I, I don't think they're as niche as maybe um, some, some other, I guess, in particular sim races are so i think you combine those two with what flap just mentioned a few minutes ago where you know i think think he's right in saying this is certainly um the first real next gen showcase for for xbox at the very least and you've got um what is it however many xbox one owners 50 60 million of those you've got closing on 10 million um uh, xbox series owners um the games in the top sellers list on steam um so I, I think it's just a combination of, of of all those things where people are just super excited to jump into um, what is a pretty seemingly a, a, a stellar game, and obviously Xbox Series owners are looking for something that shows off for their their new hardware. Yeah, that no, sounds good. I, I, good points there. That's, I, I'm going to waste no time again. Let's jump straight to Luke. Um, similar questions actually, and I suppose I'll also pose that same question to you as well as to why do you reckon this game seems to be massively popular straight out the gate regard you know seeing as it's not immediately out for the rest of us yet um as well as you know have you played the game and what are your initial impressions is this something that you're going to be playing day one and stick to with a long time or is it just going to be in an in and out game for yourself uh yeah i think um so you know i think in terms of the amount of people that are you know paying for the the early access kind of unlock element um you know, I think as Scott said, the Forza Horizon Four really was, I guess, almost the takeoff of the series. You know, that's the one I remember it really taking off in terms of more mainstream popularity was that game. And so I think that combined with, you know, you've had a lot of people get access to Forza Horizon Four from Game Pass that have played it. I've got multiple friends actually that have you know, including one who's not a racing fan at all like me, exactly like me, jump into it and just, just played the hell out of it you know and just absolutely loved it so um i think the combination of that and then the game looking how it does you know um and and it's kind of popping up everywhere on twitter or on youtube etc um has just kind of coalesced to create an environment where lots of people are willing to to pay a bit of money to you know to, to get it and to, to get early access to it so I mean that's you know probably why it's it's taken off, but it's um uh, and it's great you know I think it's fantastic that it's um getting popularity even further because you know as I said I, I I'm not a racing game fan at all really don't really like sim races um the only races I ever enjoyed are really stuff like uh you know Mario Kart right <laughs> and stuff like that except as myself or, then yeah <laughs> yeah so or like burnout that's kind of the extent of my racing enjoyment but Horizon is actually one of the few racing games I actually really love so um and and is I think the open I mean, world if, aspect for you then is that why you like them compared to as you yeah, say your typical sim racer I think that's a big part of it I think I think the thing is with Horizon, I think if you distilled it into one word, it's just fun. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just really fun and it's a great audiovisual experience and it's kind of Moorish in that way. You know, you kind of come back to it and you want more of that and it's just you know, it gives you a, a really good feeling when you play it. You know, I mean obviously it controls well and, and um 
and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's kind of the combination of it's something that Digital Foundry talks about actually. They were talking about like the the combination of all these different factors, so music and visuals and you know the control of the cars etc and then the open world doesn't detract from that really um which might do in some games but the open world here just makes everything even better you know because it's so beautiful and mm. and there's you know it's it's a different kind of structure to other open world games because it's a racing game so the, you know there's all of that stuff which which kind of goes into it and makes me want to play it i haven't paid for the early access yet i was very very tempted very tempted um, but I wanted to get through um, some other games before it came out, and I was like, "Well, there's no, there's no point paying for the early access because it will just take away from those other games, and then I won't complete them, and then they'll be added to a, an already impossible backlog to actually complete." So um, I'll be playing it on Tuesday um, uh, when it releases, uh, probably on PC. Uh, the port there is very good, apparently, uh, unsurprisingly for Playground. Um, so, yeah, I really can't wait for it. I think mean, it's going to be, it looks fantastic. The You know, the reviews are not surprising in the slightest for it because it's always been a highly rated franchise and Playground uh, just an amazing developer. So, you know, even if it's more of the same, quote unquote, the formula is so good that you, they don't need to change this that much. You know, it's I can't see it. I think with some games, maybe you could see this formula getting stale if it was being done time and time again. But I think just the nature of this being an open world racer, because you don't have any of those, they don't really exist properly outside of Horizon. I don't think. How this dare you dismiss would... the crew? Oh, sorry, <laughs> God. Well, that's a Ubisoft racer, so it doesn't count anyway. Yeah. Um, so, um, so they, you know, they just don't. You, there's nothing really like this. I mean, you've got Riders Republic now as well, which actually isn't bad, but it's it's not like this. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, it, if, it, if it isn't broke, don't fix it, you know. And I, I didn't really see much criticism in terms of the formula. I think it will take a few more games before yeah. reviews perhaps catch up with that element before pe some people start saying, well, actually, it's time for it to be you know you know to change a little bit now but i don't really know how you do that with this sort of game so um i think it's great i'm really happy for playground as well because it's just another notch on their belt you know and uh makes people i think even more excited for for fable going forward right to see what they can do oh. in a completely different genre so Perhaps. you know what yeah. i thought exactly the same it's like if they can pump this kind of quality game i, mean, I appreciate fables a different uh different set of devs but yeah it's, it's a really good indicator for the generation going forwards isn't it yeah yeah for sure for sure that's really cool you know i actually kind of mirror a lot of what you say as you say because um how you're not a big racing fan yeah i loved it I, I loved playing racing games as a kid but yeah outside of mario kart i don't jump to them uh and despite i know what i said at the beginning during uh, my initial introduction to this topic but uh, i've seen some of the comments actually and i do agree there's one here from pyro m i've seen uh who says to me about how the great thing about Forza Horizon is that the racing is only a piece of the game and you can get a lot of enjoyment uh, just driving. And you know what? That actually did spark uh, a kind of a memory in my head, I guess. When I did first start, uh, did first begin to play uh, Forza Horizon 4, like I did actually have that for a long time. For some, again, not a massive uh, racing game fan, not something I'd immediately jump to, I do remember the enjoyment of going through and just driving down the roads, finding a challenge, doing a race, and then 
and then when you saw the seasons change and stuff as well that was really interesting stuff and it was really cool just to drive around a different the same environment but under a different environment uh, sorry the same map and world but just a different uh physical uh uh season that's the word i'm looking for season of the year and just how that completely changes the game so it's um, kind of cool seeing the driver tiles driving around as well so sort of uh you know your xbox um <clears throat> i know there were, yeah there were some issues on forza horizon 4 so it seems like a lot of the uh sinking issues of that seems to have been resolved at least pretty, from what i've seen like um, i say it's just pretty cool driving around and there's like a gamer tag that pops up that you recognize it's like and you can just sort of i don't know i just like how you can interact with that i thought that was pretty cool yeah definitely i think it is cool uh i'm gonna jump onto topic two because it is linking to forza horizon 5 as a top as a starting point but before i do um what should i do scott uh have you got have we got any comments you wouldn't mind reading out at all and chat yeah, yeah. by the way chat if you've got anything else you'd like us uh to share about what your thoughts on this game are please let us know and we'll uh we'll see if we can read them out yeah definitely puck so we've actually got a, a couple here from wandering dutch uh who says first of all he thinks uh oh, sorry so far to my joint gordy with Sagonauts 2 um which i love Sagonauts 2 so you know, having it up there with that is, is good news for me. Uh, he also says the audio, the visuals, level of details is chef's kiss. Uh, the changes from four are far more, st- um, far more than stated in some of the reviews. You will notice it when you all get a chance to jump in. There's lots to do. Uh, and he also says the fact that this isn't technically day one also means that early access users don't have the day one patch. Uh, so a few connection issues, et cetera, that have been worked on before um, before official release. So it does look like any sort of issues, although I haven't seen too many issues from those who have had early access it just looked like um hopefully come tuesday there will be a little bit uh it'll be a little bit more stable um we've got a couple here from shizno who says forza is amazing playground have really outdone themselves yeah and i think that's a lot of where the excitement for fable comes from it's not obviously the completely different genres but i just think the achievement from this development studio just gets people excited for whatever they can do in a different genre uh and he also says i think that the change in map really helps keep it from getting stale which i think is a really good point because um no, you guys were just talking there about, um, you know, if they need to change it up. I think the map is sufficient enough to to change. You know, if you compare it to maybe a sim racer, um, that generally uses the same tracks. You know, you've always got the Nurburgring, you've all you've always got uh, Laguna, um, oh, Seca or whatever it's called. You know, you've always got kind of like a lot of this the same tracks, a lot of the same cars, except you know maybe the the new cars that have released since, which I guess puts more emphasis on maybe. Uh, gameplay and mechanical changes that they have to do to kind of keep it fresh from from the last game and obviously any graphical upgrades but i think yeah with with horizon i think the the different environment changes um or the map changes that they made really do kind of make it feel a little bit more fresh each time and also they can do like wacky stuff you know that you can't do in a sim you know this one's launched with the eliminator mode i don't know if any of you guys played that um in four when that came out which is essentially forza battle royale um, I think I did play a few games, yeah. yeah, it's got the playground mode. I can't remember exactly what it's called, chat. Please, please let me know um, where you can essentially make your own, uh, I guess, edit. I guess edit's maybe not the right word, but you can kind of create your own sort of races and you can edit the environment by adding ramps and you can create your own modes and, and things like that, which, which is which is pretty cool. So there's going to be a lot of customization from from that perspective. Um, and then, you know, where, where do they go next? You know, they could go to Japan. Or something like that and i think again that just again is a complete fresh take on it so i think that's a really good point by 
by Shizno. Uh, and then finally, um, actually, no, you already read out the um, the, the comment from Pyro, didn't you? Where he said, you know, it's, oh, yeah, it's sorry, just yes. kind of part of the game as well. So I think, think that's everything from chat perks. Brilliant. No, thanks a lot for that, Scott. Um, I'm going to jump straight into topic two, actually, because, again, we are still on the topic of Forza Horizon, because this has been its main kind of starting point as a topic as a whole. Um, so there has been some really interesting discussion, actually, both on our Discord server and through multiple streams of conversation on Twitter and the like. Uh, and this is about um, Game Pass and early access. So there has been a number of uh, comments and conversations that I've seen, as I just said, about, you know, we're all, as a Game Pass, especially for a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, that seems to be an important detail a lot of people like to touch upon, um, that why should we then have to pay more to get even earlier access to the game anyway? Is this fair? Um, and what does day one, uh, sorry, when Xbox say, oh, game is going to come out day and date, day one on Game Pass. Um, and then we're seeing early access things like this. There's a lot of comments about, is this fair? What does day one even mean anymore? Is it really, you know, is it becoming more vague or ambiguous what they mean by day and date? Um, and it's been a lot of kind of back and forth that I've seen and really interesting stuff as well. Um, so I'm very interested to see uh, to get the panels and yourself, chat. Let us know what you think as the as this topic goes on. But um, I really want to see what the panel think about this and what your general thoughts are and whether or not this is something in terms of, you know, having to pay money to get earlier access than when it comes to Game Pass anyway. This is going to be an ongoing trend. This is something that Microsoft will do for every other future um, big AAA game they're going to bring out. Um, so I'm going to start with Scott first, because I know, Scott, you have some pretty big opinions on this, I believe. So <laughs> what are your... That's uh, Stubbs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've said, well, I saw some interesting uh, back and forth between between yourself and Stubbs on our Discord. That was really, really interesting and engaging to watch. As, as I say, but I've also seen stuff online as well. So... Uh, you know, do you, do you reckon this is something that Microsoft will adopt in the future? Again, let's maybe take Fable as an example, just because it's come up already. You know, are we going to get to a point when Fable's coming out day and day? But, oh, no, you can get early access to that if you uh, if you pay for whatever else. Um, but I suppose I should add on before I do uh, let you loose, Scott, is uh, I think one of the details I did see that maybe got missed is people aren't just paying money to get the standard game early access. They're also paying for... I believe a number of DLC packs as well as the equivalent Still, yeah. of the battle, yeah, equivalent of the battle pass or whatever it is. So yeah, you're not just paying for early access to the game, which you're going to get through Game Pass anyway. You're actually paying for a substantial amount of extra content to accompany your what would yeah. be your standard Game Pass uh, gameplay. So uh, yeah, Scott, let, let's roll with you. What are your thoughts on this and early access in general? As you know, is this going to be a thing in the future? Will Microsoft adopt it, or is this potentially just a one-off to sell some DLC alongside a a heavily um, awaited game? Yeah, so I think just to sort of get out front and center is I'm not a big fan of the of the practice personally because I think what it what it does, and I think this is something that I'm not a big sort of fan of in general in games, is kind of um, it's almost monetizing formal essentially you know people see their friends playing the game before them they want to jump in and they're kind of forced almost uh, obviously they, they still have the choice and the decision but you know they 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 have that you know feeling of they're they're missing out on something that um all because they didn't pay for for the ultimate edition um my opinion of it's always kind of been if the game's ready then you know let people play it you know i've paid for the game or it's part of my subscription why why can't i pay now i understand obviously they want to add it as a perk um 
to to people who are paying the uh, the additional premium of of, of the ultimate edition. Um, but obviously, as you say, Pogs, you, you're quite right to point out the early access is just one um, element of, of that ultimate edition. There's um, the first two DLCs. Uh, there's car packs. There's things like that that are included, and the early access is just one perk um but also this isn't a new practice for for microsoft um they they first did it as far as i can tell back in i think it was 2015 with forza motorsport 6 and they've done it since uh with forza horizon um 3 and 4 and they did it with gears of war 4 and gears of war 5 all of these games had ultimate editions that granted you early access so they've been doing it now for the best part of six years if not longer i didn't go back any further than that but they've, they've been doing it for, for for some time so i found it interesting that um it became such a big talking point that this week um when you know it's something that they've been doing for years i think the main issue here is kind of just the language around game pass i think this is um one of the first games where game pass has been around where uh, the early access kind of as you say kind of makes that day one in game pass message a little bit more confusing i guess in in a sense but kind of the way that they look at it is essentially you get the standard edition the standard edition releases on november 9th um and you know whether you call last thursday or next tuesday the launch date i think you know we kind of still live in this world that's bound by the physical launch of games the street date i guess essentially is november 9th that's when you can walk into a shop and purchase it so that's the official release date and then anything before that is is obviously uh, early is early access um but like i say it's it's just not something i'm particularly keen on just because of that formal aspect um and it, it kind of just it introduces a way for them to kind of, I guess, monetize just people's anticipation for, for a game, whether you're interested in the DLCs or not. If you want to play it four days early, then you've got to pay, what is it? I think it's 80 quid for the Ultimate Edition, maybe more. And then I think it's about 40 quid for the uh, the add-ons pack if you're a Game Pass subscriber, which is a, a sing significant chunk of money. You know, we're not talking five, 10 pounds here. We're talking kind of the price, almost the price of another full full game. Um, but like I say, it's not something that's new. I think um, we're going to see this going forward. We saw maybe last week that um, um, someone on Twitter was able to kind of leak what appeared to be sort of a digital early access bundle for Halo Infinite. Um, and I think the numbers speak for themselves. Over a million people have jumped in so far. The vast majority of them will have paid um, either 40 quid or up to 80 quid for for that that access. So it's obviously people are willing to pay for it. And on that basis, it's likely to continue. I think what we won't see though, Pucks, is I think games like Fable, I think single player focused games, I don't think there's any benefit to that there. I think where you'll see is kind of on multiplayer focused games, which is why Forza, Gears, and maybe Halo going forward uh, are likely to have it, and maybe any other multiplayer games going forward are likely to have, have it. But I think single-player focused games aren't likely to see it. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think um, it's, it's that's like, likely to happen. So, um, yeah, but I, I would love to sort of get everybody else's thoughts on it because, me, yeah, me and Stubbs had a conversation about it in the Discord earlier. We, to be fair, we were both on the same page. We both agree that we don't like this, this this practice. We kind of had differing opinions on why it's maybe a bad thing or not. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would love to get everybody else's thoughts on it. Uh, is that am I alone in that thought? Because obviously, over a million people have played it, so they're willing to buy it. Um, yeah, where, where's everyone else stand? Well, before I jump to, I'll, I'll maybe bring Luke back in on this uh, on this one next. But before I do, just to answer what you've just asked there. Actually, yeah, chat. Uh, first of all, as Scott just uh, said, actually, yeah, please. I'm, I'm seeing some really good conversations already. Uh, please let us know what you think about this. Uh, and panel, if you can help me uh, capture some of these, we can read them out 
near the end of the topic, but I've already seen one here from uh, Wondering Dutch who says, My opinion, I pre-ordered the full £80 premium edition when it was announced without knowing about the early access. That was a nice bonus announced later. Uh, it says, but, and then next message, and I'm afraid I haven't seen the next message, so I can't continue, I'm afraid. Someone um, please catch uh, that. No, yeah, he's put, I don't see a problem with it. The official release date is still the same, and they still have a business to run and a game to sell. People will still get to play it a couple of days later. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so what it kind of says to me is that people like, you know, Wandering Dutch, among many others, are, you know, you are going to buy anyway. So, <laughs> you know, as I think I've seen someone else say in the chat, like, do people really even care about this? Does it even matter? It's like, well, clearly it does because people are talking about it online. So, uh, uh, yeah, Luke, what are your general thoughts on the, uh, the whole early access stuff? I, I know you said, you, you know, I think everyone, I think yourself and Flat both said that you were very close to getting your credit cards out and, and jumping in early if you could. But, uh, Overall, what is your thoughts on this general kind of practice? And as Scott was saying, do you reckon, you know, it's likely to be kept to these type of bigger open online games? Or, you know, would this extend to something like a single player experience in the future? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a very uh, multifaceted topic. Uh, mm. I think I pretty much agree with, with Scott. Um I don't particularly like it. Um, I think it kind of takes a piss a little bit if you're a, you know, quote unquote, you know, Game Pass Ultimate subscriber in particular and you don't get the benefit of an early access to a game. Um, I don't know what's quite ultimate about that. Um, I don't... The thing is, I'm kind of half and half of it because on the one hand, you know, I think for a game like Forza, as Scott said, it's it's kind of okay to do something like this because it is multiplayer focused. Um, and, you know, the the way that they've done it, bundling it essentially with, you know, a discounted premium pack and, you know, given the history of Horizon DLC, the kind of expansions they do, you know, the, you will get a great amount of content from those, those elements of this pack. Um, and I'm sure they'll be well worth the money part of me is almost like it, it's it's you know <laughs> they know what they're doing with this stuff in particular because they could just sell you a very nominal fee early unlock mm. where you pay a couple of quid just to get access to the game earlier and i think more people would probably be a little bit happier with that i certainly would because i don't i don't i think the thing is even though i know forza horizon 5 is great I don't know how great it's going to be for me to want to buy the DLC for it, if you see what I mean, you know, mm. to, to commit to going, okay, well, I'll spend all this money just to get it early. But then if I don't really enjoy it, and I, and I think I'll love it, you know, because I love four but, uh, and the others, but um, there's there's still kind of that risk. Um, Hypothetically, but just quickly then, like if there, you know, if that was a, if that was to be a thing where, oh, you can pay a, you know, a couple of quid to, to, to play it early, um, like yeah. for you, what is an acceptable maximum limit for that kind of thing? A couple of quid. You, so we're literally talking like what two quid, three quid, just to just if to it was play like four ninety nine to yeah. unlock it early. I'd probably pay that. Exactly the number would. I came up yeah. with. Four ninety nine yeah. seems reasonable to me. And to be honest, but no, the, no extra content, yeah. no additions. You <laughs> exactly. just yeah, no a, extra content for just, just, a few just extra early days. access. Yeah. If they yeah, decoupled okay. it from packs, I think I'd be a lot more comfortable with the practice of it yeah. because at least then I can go look. It's five quid. And I can play it four days early. Brilliant! I'm enjoying that. So um, I don't like and and look, they're never gonna. I don't think they're ever gonna do that because what they want you to do is spend as much money as possible 
in you know at, at first glance so i don't think that's um something that's going to happen but if it did i'd be more comfortable with it um i can see as i agree with scott i think they will use it for multiplayer games uh, in particular i'm very uncomfortable with it becoming practice uh, going forward for all their major releases if they start to trot this out for single player games because then you're getting into the position where people could and and halo is bound to be one of these if that's a four day early access people are going to finish the campaign before that four days is over and if then you have social media and youtube littered with spoilers because mm. people have played to unlock the game early i have a real issue with that a real yep. issue um and you know on games like maybe if they did this with starfield you know how many people are going to finish in four days not many probably but pe some people will for linear campaigns like halos that you know they will run 20 10 15 hours lots of people are going to finish it in that time if if that's part of the early access element uh, which presumably it is um i really don't like that and i think you know some people in particular with all the will in the world are very insensitive to that sort of stuff on twitter so I think it's fine for a game like Forza Horizon because what are you going to spoil for me, right? No, you know, you're not going to spoil The scenery? Anything. The scenery, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, it's got cars in it, wow. And a cactus. But if you're... The cactus, yeah, yeah the, the multiple cacti. Um, but when it becomes like a single-player game, I, I really don't like it at all. And then the element of FOMO is ramped up significantly in that in those types of games because you're like, okay, well, actually, I really need to buy this not only because I really want to play it, but because I don't want to get spoiled before yeah, I actually really get to play it. Yeah. So, so, you know, that's, that's the issue I have. And I really don't want them to do that for single player led games. We're going to see how that plays out, presumably with Halo, um, because it looks like they're going to do it for that. Um, you know, but it's, it's a, it's a real annoyance because it's essentially, uh, we had this for stuff like, um, some single player games last year, like The Last of Us Part Two, and that had some other leaks uh, generally. But you know, street street dates were being broken for that game, and spoilers were cropping up everywhere all the time. Um, it was really hard to dodge, actually. Um, and although this is these kind kind of things, they are and aren't street breaks. You know, <laughs> like they're not in, in the strict sense of the word, they're not. But they are people getting the game early, so and the effect is all the same. So that's the, that's the issue I have. So um, multiplayer games uh, or, or games that aren't single player driven, no, I don't like it, but I've got no real issue with it. I wish they'd decouple the early access from a premium pack uh, to make it cheaper for people. And just so if you can pay, if you want to pay just for the early access, you can do great. Um, don't want it to become a trend for single player games that Microsoft yeah. make, even extending to stuff like Fable. Do not, because that's obviously mm. going to be single player driven. Mm. Do not want yeah. that at all. I think the I, I can't see a world look where I think Fable in games that are purely single player. Um, I don't ever see a world where where that has it. I think the the difficulty in the gray area is is games like Halo and games like Gears yeah. that multiplayer and single player are almost equal parts yep. of of the game. And you know I've just said I don't like the practice, but I will hold my hands up and I will say if Halo Infinite does end up having this early access bundle, I will pay whatever it is to access it for two reasons. Um, first of all, Luke is absolutely right. The story side of things, um, you know, I'm someone that's quite invested in in the Halo. Just before the show, I was reading the Halo book, um, and I, I I really don't want 
to have whatever 343 you've done with 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 the story good or bad i don't want yeah. that to be spoiled i want to experience it um myself so i really don't want to live in a world where that's being spoiled and i think part of the problem is in this world that we live in you know people are bastards and they go out their way to spoil it for people as well if you yeah. remember there were halo campaign leaks going out from the original um technical preview that went out because i think some yeah. story elements were leaked from the campaign and even if you made efforts to go out the way people were dming them on twitter to people who were predominantly xbox users um simply just to be a bit of a bastard and spoil it for them which is you know which is super frustrating and and you know you, you can't help but if people are going to be like that, people are going to be like that. But I don't want to be in a situation where, where that happens. But also with a multiplayer game like Halo, or I guess any other multiplayer game that you're going to play with friends, if your friends have it, you don't want to be in a position where you want to miss out. And I certainly don't want to be in a position where I miss out on playing Halo Halo with my mates. So I know for a fact that I'll, I'll buy it. The interesting thing with Halo is... Um, what they bundle in because you're, you're right look it's kind of you've got this ultimate edition it comes with the dlcs the dlcs for, for forza historically been fantastic four and threes dlcs were amazing yeah. um what, what did they do with halo because the multiplayer yeah. we know that all the the mm. the dlc the dlc for the multiplayer is going to be effectively free new maps mods things like that we know that's going to be part of like the live service game um so maybe they bundle in the battle pass or some currency yeah. to, to spend. The single player, they've not really spoken too much about the sort of plans for the single player in terms of are they going to have story campaigns and, and, and things like that. Maybe that is something that's included, but that's not quite clear. But I'm not too sure if anybody um, knows. How did it work for Gears? Because I think Gears 5 essentially had that issue, Luke, because the Ultimate Edition mm. had early access. Um, it wasn't only the multiplayer so the story obviously was yeah. people were able to access that and that was a fairly short story what about 10 hours or so uh, easily could be done in two two settings you know well before the the official release date with halo i would hope if they do it they kind of limit it to the multiplayer especially with it kind of yeah. being almost two different games where the multiplayer is kind of it's a, essentially a separate game i think i don't know if they're going to have two different launches um or not but you know it's essentially a separate part of the game so i hope if, if they do it for halo it is limited to the multiplayer side of things yep. but even yep. even then you know don't it's still that's i'm still not 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 a big fan here's a quick one then for you scott before i move on to to flat so i've just seen a comment here earlier uh, from pyro who says with the halo bundle i think it should only be the online that gets early access yeah, uh, and not the campaign. So you know, yeah. is that okay? Given it's a free-to-play game anyway, like, is that okay? Like, because because otherwise it's almost like, well, where's the line and where does it stop? And then what becomes too much? And then what's acceptable? It's like it seems that like one of those things that could very quickly become very blurred depending on people's yeah. perception of the practice, if that makes sense, and whether or not you know, because obviously people are, you know, doing well for themselves, got pockets of money, can dump it, you know, just put all their money into it, and it, you know. It's, they can afford it. They love to do it. That's not a problem. That's fine. And then, of course, there's yeah. the other side of the coin where people, you know, maybe struggle for money, but gaming is their lifelong hobby. They can't invest all the time, but they really want to play. Can't afford to jump in early. So, do you know what I mean? There's, it's, I feel like, in a way, like, what is the solution? Is there really one apart from just not doing it? But 
I don't know. I don't know because I don't think there's a solution, Pucks. I don't. I don't because I guess it, it depends on whether you look at it as a as a problem. You know, obviously, you're speaking on the panel, but maybe not fans of it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a problem. You look at Horizon Five, and over a million people seem to say it's okay. So you know, what what does what does my opinion mean at the end of the day? It's ultimately whether it's kind of successful and whether the financials outweigh any sort of negative PR. And to be fair, I haven't actually seen an awful lot of negativity around it. Um, my opinion sort of aside, I don't think too many people have been um, that pissed about it. I think, you know, people who are annoyed are maybe just kind of like quietly annoyed, maybe like myself. It's not like um, there's a massive uproar on social I media or anything. I think about that's an important it. thing though, isn't it? Because there are, you know, I think, I think it's quite easy for people to forget that, you know, there are many, many more people exist that are gaming fans than just Twitter or every other, you know, social platform. And I can know, you know, maybe there isn't, you know, maybe you're right in what you say. But at the same time, you know, you can't rule out that there are loads of people that are going, oh, for Christ's sake, why have I got to pay extra? And that's soft that I'll just wait till next week, you know. But but then, it, but then again, that then brings back to the question of, well, if you weren't a big fan of it enough to pay for it in the first place, then you're, you know, it you're not you wasn't the target for that surely yeah but i think that's maybe part of the problem pucks i think that's maybe part of the problem that you see there where it's kind of like there's almost this sense of like oh if you're if you're a big fan of this game then you should be paying more to get access i think that's maybe part part of the problem because if i pay 50 quid or if i pay 90 quid or if i pay um eight pound a month or 12 pound a month or whatever the game pass and game pass ultimate prices are you know that one doesn't make me more of a fan than the other especially when you consider a lot a lot of people's sort of financial circumstances are different just because somebody can't afford the game doesn't mean they're less of a fan than somebody who who can and i think that's yeah, where definitely. it introduces that element of formal for those people who uh, can't it's kind of like well they're missing out on the um, playing their favorite franchises or maybe experiencing the story or playing with the friends um, all because they simply couldn't afford the the ultimate addition, mm-hmm. which is a significant expense as well. Like We're not talking about sort of the four or five quid that, that we theorized earlier, kind of it is a significant in, investment. And I think that's part of the problem, but ultimately it's kind of like, you know, is are people willing to pay and they seemingly Oh, I mean, they, they've been doing it for six years now. It, I can't see a world where where they stop it for the for their multiplayer game. So, um, yeah, I, I I think with Halo, like I say, if they're going to do it, which it seems they are, I, w- I would hope that they limited limited to to the multiplayer, um, just to avoid you know the scenario that 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 Luke spoke about. But we'll have to wait and see whatever, um, what actually they they announce about it. But you know regardless of maybe what, what we say it looks like it's it's here to stay um I, I don't see a world where this isn't a thing and if they weren't originally planning on doing it for halo they will see these numbers from this weekend and they would absolutely be saying right we now need to do that for Halo because the numbers are are, are ridiculous over a million people and the game's not even not even out yet um and yeah and it's obviously just another way of sort of monetizing game pass users as well um so yeah, it's 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 a practice that's here to stay. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, depending yeah. on what, what side of the fence you stand at. Right, Flap, I haven't forgot about you. Sorry, uh, I'm going to come to you right now. But before I do, I've just sent a number of comments of people saying regarding the Gears Five uh, stuff you brought up, Scott. Um, in that it was the uh, you had to get Game Pass Ultimate. If you was a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, then you had early access, and that also gave you access to the Terminator skin. I think it was, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, um, you could buy the Ultimate Edition or if you weren't a Game Pass subscriber. So essentially, the Gears 5 was kind of like uh, completely different to kind of what they've done with every every other game. So essentially, Game Pass owners got access to Gears 5 Standard Edition. Game Pass Ultimate owners got access to Gears 5 Ultimate Edition, which included like um, additional content. It included early access. Obviously, it ended up including the Hive Busters DLC. So that's why Game Pass Ultimate users got access to that. But if you weren't a Game Pass subscriber, you could buy the Ultimate Edition mm-hmm. for however much it was to, to get early access as well that's cool right flap i'm gonna come to you now sorry i've heard from you for a little while uh great chat by the way in the in the chat thank you very much keep your comments coming uh and we'll store some up and we'll probably read some out after as we reach the end of this topic but uh flap there's been a lot of discussion so far regarding this uh quite polarizing in a a healthy uh in a healthy way through chat and what the panel was saying what are your thoughts on this exactly you know is this something that you reckon will you know is it long term? Is it going to stay? Is it just for multiplayer? You know, reg- you know, given what everyone has said so far, what are your general thoughts on Game Pass and early access? Well, it's it's all been said, to be honest. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Anything you'd like um, to add to it, in your own opinion? Yeah. Well, not particularly, really. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of the practice. It, to me, it feels a little bit underhand. It, it I, I just, it feels like a chink in Game Pass's armor, almost, and I don't like that because I'm, I'm surprised. People over on the PlayStation side of things hasn't really haven't really used this as a kind of a, a grenade to lob back about this sort of the, the pricing structure of Game Pass and stuff. If if you know if, if this money is needed to kind of help fund these games or or sort of boost revenue, then it just seems like a shady practice to me. Uh, and to be honest, let's face it, you know people are going to fall into two categories: people that were going to buy the, the the premium packs anyway, and like you say, you know the. The, the early access was uh, a bonus. Absolutely fine, no problem with that. Um, I, I fell into the latter. I, I was the one that kind of, um, the reason I was going to buy it and get my credit card out was because of the FOMO aspect, if I'm honest. And it is a So a you thing. didn't care about the additional content that you would have gotten? Um, it, it, I would say I didn't care. And it would, it, you know, it's kind of a nice to have, but I'm with Luke. I'm not really sure if I'm going to like this game yet. So to fork out that for, for a game. And to be fair, chances are I probably am going to love it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It was one stretch too far for me, to be honest. And like I say, you know, it, I'm, I'm pleased I managed to stave off the fear of missing out side of things and, and just wait till Tuesday, basically. But I just think there's a bigger picture. And like you say, you know, if, if this is, I think it kind of works just about with fours. And I think we are us on the panel kind of agree with that. I don't like it, but it kind of just about works with Forza if it's going to be extended into other games. And let's, you know, we, we need to be looking, as a community, we need to be looking at the bigger picture here because we've got some huge games coming. We've got Starfield coming. We've got Fable. We've got Avowed. We, we've got some huge games coming. Do we really want this to be the practice going forwards? Um I don't really know, to be honest. I don't think we do. And as as Luke said, you know, particularly for single-player games, that can absolutely ruin a game before it's been released. Um I think this game's been ready for a little while as well. I think that might be one of the reasons they did this because I know people like um, uh, Randall Thor and uh, Dealer Gamer, you know, they, they got some early access codes and stuff and I don't think they tend to get early access codes for lots of Microsoft games and stuff, to be fair. So I think this game has actually been in a state where it's been kind of ready for a little while. Um uh, I would be surprised if Halo, perhaps the multiplayer side of things, can be ready a little bit early. I'd be surprised if the campaign will be. I think they're going to try and take that to the wire, particularly as it's launching without certain aspects and stuff. Um, 
But yeah, if games are in a ready state, then I think for a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, then it should be available for everyone. If I'm honest, that's my opinion. Uh, it does also blur the lines of day and date and, and you know, when a game is officially released and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just it just feels like a shady practice and I don't like it. Like I say, I fully appreciate if people had already paid for the Ultimate Edition and it came as a, a nice surprise, then absolutely fine. But I, I wasn't in that camp. I, I was someone that nearly succumbed to the fear of missing out. And to be honest, it was only the fact mm. I'm playing Like a Dragon that, that kept me away from it, to be honest. I just literally didn't have enough time. But had it not have been for that, I might have succumbed to it and I would probably be hating myself for it right now because I don't want to be part of the problem. And like I say, while it works for Forza Horizon 5, do we want Microsoft to think, actually, going forwards, this is a great uh, revenue generator uh, for all of our first-party titles, you know, single-player or multiplayer. So I just hope it doesn't send the wrong message to them and they are very, very selective with the games they do this to. Mm. No, I agree with that. I suppose... This might sound like a brag. I don't mean it that way. But again, because I'm not a big racing... I, I loved 4, as I said before, Forza Horizon 4. But uh, And I've been loving what I've seen about this game. But it's again, it's never a game that I... When I saw the trailers and stuff, I never looked at it and thought, oh my Christ, this is a day one. I must be playing this immediately kind of thing. So for me, when I... I mean, originally, I, I got my dates mistaken. I saw people were jumping on this Friday and I thought, oh, it's coming out on the 5th now. And then, oh no, it's an early access thing. So for, like, But for me, I wasn't interested enough to jump in so i'm happy to wait but then equally i know that as soon as halo infinite drops i will probably not be playing in this game anymore <laughs> that's kind of where it sits with me as, as amazing as it is and as much as everyone loves it i mean i may well jump into it again in the future but you know as we always say there's always new stuff coming out that i'm more looking forward to than i have been for this game at least uh, in particular so this will be enjoyment for me for maybe the three weeks that it is up until uh <laughs> uh halo infinite and that's about it so you know assuming that you know again what everyone's been saying i've seen a lot in chat as well back and forth um if people have been jumping in early solely from a fomo perspective and just wanting to play early but ultimately didn't wasn't too bothered about the extras then yeah i, I do think it is quite sad especially if you know that again other games are coming out in the future like halo infinite that people maybe know that they are going to play for a long time and then and then you know they're not playing the other one anymore you know in a way that's a waste of money, but that's not the company's fault or problem necessarily, or maybe it is, I don't know, but, um, but you know, they're, they're banking that. Why do they care? But, um, that's been a really interesting topic, actually. Uh, really interesting more. And it went on for a bit longer than I thought it would. Uh, before I do move on, actually, uh, I would like to ask the panel, if you don't mind to read out some comments. I've seen a lot of good back and forth on this quite mixed opinions in the chat that I've seen. Um, flap actually, if you don't mind, I'll ask you, um, is there any particular standout comments you've seen regarding this? Um, yeah, Pong Soul's kind of come up with a few bits, and it kind of I, I kind of agree and kind of disagree in some regards. He's put that the fear of missing out is the responsibility of the individual, not necessarily the company offering you know the early access. And, and obviously, you know, uh, in its nuts and bolts, as a statement, that is absolutely correct. Um, I guess it's but. the fact, <laughs> but it's the fact that they yeah. added it to the to the ultimate pack, if that makes sense. Um, uh, that's the bit that I guess I don't like so much. If it, like you say, if it was a, if it was four ninety nine, five bucks as a standalone early access thing, I would have paid that, you know, without even thinking twice about it. Um, 
it's just kind of milking that extra money. And like I say, you know, talking of the two camps, people that would have bought the Ultimate Pack and will get the absolute most at the DLC, absolutely fine, knock your socks off. I'm guessing there is a, an element of people that have been hooked into the early access and paid the extra money for that. It just feels underhand, to be honest. Um, so, you know, while I kind of agree with Pong Soul, and he's absolutely right, it, it, is, it still feels like it's an underhand way of doing it, I guess. Um, yeah, I think I've seen some other comments in the chat. Like, yeah. again, Pong Soul, this isn't a dig or anything, so please don't take it personally it's you know it's great to have different opinions is what this is all about but uh i think i did see some comments regarding you know yes that statement is definitely 100 percent true but then again you know the, the the human mind doesn't necessarily work as black and white of that I, I guess does it you know it's a very it's a very social aspect to it to that may force people possibly unwillingly but then yes you then you're then right i guess to then say well that's the person's fault but you know if if the early access didn't exist, this you know the FOMO aspect wouldn't exist, right? So, you know, what is the right answer? What isn't? It's, there isn't one. I don't. Well, maybe there is, but I yeah, don't think we're going to define that out today. <laughs> I think of that, and and I totally see where where Pong is is coming from. Um, and I think with a lot of this, there's always a line between personal responsibility and what a company is doing to get you to part with your cash. And the the issue is, I guess, that for many people, many people are very impressionable. You know, your average mm-hmm. Joe, you know, I, you, I might be really strong with, you know, everything in that, that I buy and I'm not subject to FOMO at all. But there may be things for me that cause me to have massive FOMO. Uh, hot toys are one of them, for example. <laughs> um for me and you know i could be taken advantage of uh in a, in a way uh by companies you know deliberately kind of cultivating an atmosphere of fear of missing out you know look how great this is you should get on this now um sort of thing so you know and that's advertising 101 right you know we're, we're, there's no the personal responsibility element only works if we have no outside influence at all you know, there's no influence by the the company that's trying to get you to part of your cash, but there is. That's the difference. So um, I I do agree, and and it just depends on where on that line, that scale from personal responsibility to you know being pressured internally, as it were, or externally as well by a company to go and to go and buy the thing. So um, it's a really interesting topic. I don't. There's no right answer. I, I think, mm. as you say, Pucks, you like it just depends on where you fall. Um, and I don't think companies are quote like I don't think Microsoft's evil for doing this right or anything no, like sure. that yeah, because, yeah. because this isn't this isn't anywhere near as bad as something like you know Ultimate Team for example <laughs> which no. is very deliberately yeah, set up yeah. to you know prey on impressionable people and mm-hmm. say oh you're missing out because actually your team's not as good as the other team so you need to spend cash to make it better um, that's that's completely different from this so I you know this is on way the far far end of the other spectrum um for, for that sort of stuff this is just a an annoyance more than an issue i would say it's an inconvenience and something that i think f- for me i just hope it doesn't become practice in single player stuff but i i don't i'm not that bothered about it in this context nah, that's fair enough sorry flap is there any more comments you'd like to read out before we uh, move on to our next topic um, no, I think we're pretty much there, to be honest. Like I say, um, Puxy's just written, if 1 million gamers are playing Forza Horizon 5 now, then Microsoft have pocketed between 40 and 80 million. That's a big chunk of money already recouped uh, from mm. the cost of producing the game, which, yep, absolutely. Like I say, it's a, it's going to be a huge revenue generator, but that's what worries me um, uh, and why they might start to try and push the uh, extents 
of what they can get away with this. And I just hope they don't. Microsoft, to me, seemed like a very responsible company. That's going to probably generate some conversation. But I think, particularly with the Xbox division, I don't think they come across as being too underhand, if I'm honest. Um, and this just seems a little underhand to me. And I just hope that they don't, uh, like I say, I just hope they don't press the advantage too strongly uh, when it comes to their first-party titles with this kind of thing. Yeah, if I can maybe just say one more point on Halo as well. Yeah, like it ahead. does end up being um, a thing that they end, that they end up uh, trying to sell for, for Halo. Um, one of the kind of uh, elements that they're kind of heavily leaning into for the multiplayer side of things is their battle pass system and how it differs to other battle passes. Essentially, the main difference between the two is typical battle passes. You've got a season, which could be maybe three months long, that you've got to complete the battle pass. So it kind of forces you to play the game. Um, the challenge systems are often weekly, so it's something that you kind of force to play on the regular to kind of get everything that that, you, that you've paid for, essentially, with that battle pass. And one of the things that Halo have come out and they've been quite vocal about is the fact that they don't have that. And I think they've even said, because they don't want that formal side of things with with the with regards to the battle pass where you can play it at your own pace and you can still get everything you don't miss out on anything just because you didn't play this the, the game uh the same amount as, as as somebody else and that's something that they're quite heavily uh preaching they're, they're really proud of the fact that, it, that it's different in that way and then they're going potentially i mean it seems more or less uh inevitable at this point uh kind of introduce formal in a different avenue by having this early access version so it kind of it's 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 mixed in a way isn't it you know the, the i guess the message in particular when, when it comes to to halo but i gotta be yeah. honest though scott i i'm absolutely with you my friend if they do this for halo multiplayer then i will be jumping on board yep so <laughs> I, I am I, part yeah, of the problem makes, it makes yeah. us a hypocrite makes yeah. me makes me a hypocrite no, but that, absolutely. you know that's that's, that's, yeah. that's why they do yeah. it uh, uh, yeah exactly i don't think any of us are coming from a from an air of authority or superiority or anything i am as much of part of the problem as the next person to be honest um i, I guess for me Halo is a much more of a tempting prospect than perhaps Forza Horizon, but yeah, I am I am very much part of the problem, and uh, yeah, I will probably be jumping in. I just, like I say, I just hope they're very careful with how they deal with this going forwards. No, that's very good. Thank you very much, panel, for your for your comments, and thank you very much, chat as well. That was a, mo- a lot more engaging than I thought it was going to be, and that was that was fantastic. Um, I'll do a quick roll call before I move on to the next topic. So we've got it's Timmy Pongsol, of course, the indie gamer, Stubbs Gaming. Uh, Mesico, Dragon Wolf, Parksy, 1972, uh, and I'm wondering Dutch was here earlier as well. Uh, yeah, thank you all very much for being here. Sorry, if I haven't seen anyone. We had Boom oh. in the chat and uh, Pinky of Legend. Oh, we did. We got some, yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. I've also seen. I saw another new name. Um, it was Seppo as well. I don't think I've seen your name in the chat before. Welcome. Uh, any other names? Nothing more. Oh, they are. I see. Yep, Double Barrel Gaming. I've just seen that. No, thank you all very much for being here. Hope you enjoyed the chat. And I think it's now time to move on to our next topic. So we're now moving away from Forza Horizon. I don't know if it's possible for Lap to maybe play the uh, 20-minute trailer at all. Don't worry if it's too much of a hassle. But uh, we're now going to move our chat to Elden Ring because this is a game which has basically uh, <laughs> been revealed to us and then had nothing more kind of said about it for the longest time. And then I think it was about three months ago we got a bit more of a trailer to kind of see it in a bit more detail. And then three days ago, Bandai Namco uh, released a 20-minute long gameplay, gameplay reveal trailer, um, which kind of showcased the some of the combat, the open world, the traversal. And I have to say, personally for me, 
I am not a really big Bloodborne, Bloodborne slash Dark Souls fan. Not because I don't necessarily like the games. I just haven't really given them enough of a chance um, to play them, really. Um, I think the times when each of the different titles came out, um, I think I was, there was something else that I was playing at the time, something that I said I'd like to jump to, and then something else came out that I was looking forward to even more. I jumped onto that, and then it, as of anything else, the gaming landscape moves on, continues, and it's one of those things that just got left behind. And unfortunately, that happened to me pretty much of every title. I think the only time I've played anything of this type of game was probably Dark Souls 1, and only when I played that when it was a Games of Gold way back uh, at the end of the, free, of the uh, 360 life cycle. So I played about 10 minutes worth of that, thought it was okay, and then I turned it off and never turned it on again. But um, So this game, Elden Ring, seems to obviously tick a lot of those boxes. It's made by the Dare I say it? Correct me if I'm wrong. It's made by the same company as Dark Souls. Is that From correct? Software. Panel. From Software. Oh, no, I am wrong. I am wrong. Yeah, this is Bandai Namkai. But okay, but they have very similar vibes, at least, don't no, they? No, no, it's, it's, it's From the same. Software. Yeah. Oh, it is From Software. software. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's, what's it yeah. published by Bandai Namkai. Yeah. Then. yeah. That's sorry, cool. forgive me. I've got my facts all messed up. Yeah, okay. So it is from the same person, or the same developer, and it very much looks that way. But I think one of the things that's gotten me quite excited looking at the trailer is definitely kind of. I mean, I know we've maybe said against it before, but the open world aspect of this and just how, dare I say, vibrant and colourful, but it's a very dark game, yet it has a lot of kind of vibrant feel to it, just from the environment. You know, you've got the big, the, the massive tree, like a bright glowing tree in the background and the different kind of environmental elements of the map, uh, you know, like the different light elements everywhere. And there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of instances as well where you see the different enemies and how they interact, how you interact with the environment. And how you traverse as well, like on your, I don't even know what it's called, some sort of mythical deer creature that can kind of jump on the air and whatever else when it goes downhill. Um, but I thought, I was really impressed by it and something that I would definitely consider playing uh, when it comes out. Um, I did watch all of it. I really liked, I mean, I've got nothing to compare it to, but I'm, I, from what I know of Dark Souls, of those kind of games, I, I'm not too sure if they have much of a stealth element in those. And this trailer kind of tended to lean that, hey, look, you can do the standard action-oriented way, go through the front gate and go through hell to try and beat it all. Or you can go these alternate routes and you can do the stealth route and you have to be really careful and the environments are different. It's like, you know, again, HDR and 4K. There's really dark areas. You have to use your lights, all this kind of stuff. Um, I thought it really interesting. And I think for this one, I'm going to jump to Luke first because I know you are a massive Bloodborne, Dark Souls fan and those kind of of those kind of games um i'm assuming you have seen the gameplay trailer but i will ask have you seen mm -hmm. the trailer and you know has if you have has seen the trailer boosted your excitement for the game is it the kind of thing you was expecting to see um mm -hmm. or is it anything thrown you by surprise that maybe you thought you did or didn't like what did you think of it yeah so um i've seen uh bits of the gameplay trailer i haven't watched it start to finish 15 minutes there's a there's a reason for that which is that i was already i mean as you say i'm a huge huge from software fan i'm a huge bloodborne fan dark souls demon souls um sekiro as well i really enjoyed um and you know i, I was already super hyped for this um because from software to me can do no wrong like they as long as they keep making stuff like this uh, <laughs> then i will buy it um and so i wanted to see a little bit 
of the open world stuff for this because that is you know it's a first open world game you know none of the other games have been like this um just to see you know the traversal and how they kind of how it works um and i kind of got i kind of basically skip through elements of it so i kind of skip ahead i'd watch like a minute and then i'd skip ahead a couple of minutes and watch another minute etc um and I don't really want to see any more because part of the magic of these games is the exploration and the discovery. Um, and this looks like the most incredible world to explore that I've seen for a long time. I don't know that that's going to be the case, but again, from software are extremely reliable with this stuff. Um, and hit attack. So, and so have you purposely not seen any of the open world gameplay yet then? No, I've seen some of it. So I've seen enough. I've seen enough to tell me what's there and how it works, right? right? So, you know, and that's all I wanted to see. Um, I've seen a couple of bosses that they showed off as well. But again, like the bosses in Souls games are, they are the best bit, right? They're the bit you look forward to the most because they're just, because the thing is with Souls games and From Software in general, their art direction is just astounding. It's just incredible. Um, and that's, you know, the, the imagination of the fantasy worlds that they come up with is is second to none. I don't think there's any better developer than them are doing this, this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I saw bits of it. I saw enough, probably about out of the 15 minutes, probably saw five or six minutes worth. Uh, enough to convince me, and I think I said on the Discord, that it, for me, you know, it'll be really, really difficult even given the gamut of games that are out this year for stuff to to beat this for game of the year in my estimation if it delivers right obviously it could be a disaster i doubt it but it could be um because it just looks fantastic i mean it just looks incredible and what i what i like that they've done and, and you were right in touching on it is every other souls game apart from uh sekiro didn't really have a kind of stealth element Sekiro was the first one to properly introduce stealth into that world and so you could you know uh, in certain circumstances you could go in stealthily stealthily or you could attack or whatever you want to do in this one they've really leaned into that more because obviously it's taking place in an open world and there are places you can go where there are encampments and all that kind of stuff and so they're giving you the choice there um to be able to do it so i, I really like that and you know i i just think that this open world is going to be really special because again like and this is I, I laughed when they opened the map up because it's such a detailed map and guess what there's no markers anywhere there's no outposts <laughs> there's no I towers think, there's I no think a lot quests. of people compared it to breath of the wild at that point didn't they and yeah it's was, brilliant yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant there's no shit littering the map it's just <laughs> here is the map you place your own markers and we'll give you kind of a topography of what's going on so you can have a look and in fact you have to unlock that topography i think you have to uh, like discover you know chunks of the map that then illuminate on your map so to speak um and i absolutely love that i mean anybody who's played play breath of the wild you know will know how how great the sense of discovery in that game is yeah definitely um and and this looks like that, but just in a much more fantasy, dark style. And and as you said, you know what surprised me was how colourful it is. You know, it's it's really it it's really bright and vibrant at points, even though you know underlying all that are these kind of putrid, you know, from software <laughs> creatures yeah. that always litter them up. Mm. 
And then some of the some of the shots, there's a shot, I, I turned it off immediately after this shot, there's a shot like eight, ten minutes in where he's coming up to uh, one of the, like a castle, and it's just, the atmosphere is just incredible. Like, it's, it looks, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to see any more of that place because I just want to, you know, experience that for myself. So, um, I, I would just be shocked if this wasn't an absolutely incredible game. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know how many more new fans it'll win in terms of if you don't like the Souls formula, I don't think this would particularly change that for you. It might do to some extent because it's more open world-ish, you know, it's more open in general. I think some of the things about Souls games that can be a little frustrating for people is that if you're not really having a, if you're really having difficulty with it, there's no, sometimes there's nowhere else to go. You've just got to persevere. And a lot of people love that about Souls games, but some people hate it because it's like, well, I wish I could just do something else and maybe come back to it. In this game, it looks like you can do that, right? You could fully come up against something you're like, I cannot, like, I just, I'm just not having, you know, I'm not able to beat this right now. And you can go off in the world and find something else to do. So I think that might, you know, help for people, but I, I don't care what other people think about it because I just can't <laughs> wait to play it. I just can't wait to play it. Um, it just looks incredible absolutely um, yeah what, what, pla oh, what platform will you be playing it on luke just out of interest pc i'm guessing uh, oh yeah pc yeah because okay. um yeah 4k 60 and, mm -hmm. and all that bells and whistles yeah. stuff maybe higher was, actually because yeah i was gonna say actually one of the things that i again for someone who's not really a souls fan at all apart from maybe playing 10 minutes worth years ago um yeah. what i really liked about the trailers when they again like the scale of things i don't know whether or not it's yeah. like that any other ones but particular scene where you're going through some sort of outlet of a cave and then there's like this enormous castle fort thing like on the edge of a cliff and yeah, you're about to go in and scale it and... about yeah it's it's that dark fantasy kind of scale of you know foreboding you're very small in comparison yeah. to this thing it's is it it is a typical soul thing to do like you know you're, you're a tiny little pawn in this world that is out to just obliterate you and you, that's kind of where a lot of the accomplishment from the game comes from, you know, that you, mm. you conquer these gigantic forts. And I was going to ask you a question then, actually, because uh, I've seen a lot of chat so far kind of saying, they a, a few people saying, oh my God, I'm Halo hyped for this, which is cool, <laughs> great to hear. But then I've also seen a lot of people say, you know, yes, it looks great, but I've never really been a Souls fan. I don't think I'll do it. And you kind yeah. of about half answered it during your initial um, words anyway. But, you know, if you was to kind of, like, what is it exactly that you like about the souls game is it the challenge is it the darkness of you know of the you know environment the world the design whatever like you mm. know if you was to try and convince me or the panel or the chat sorry to to play like what part why should we try it kind of thing like why should we be convinced to try elden ring or something else yeah what's what's the hook what's the hook so i think i think the hook it's it's a difficult question actually because the i think souls games Soulsborne games have kind of a feeling about them. That's and it's really hard to describe. I think if I was to say, you know, why should someone try it? I would say kind of, oh, and this sounds a bit counterintuitive, but kind of almost ignore the fact that it's going to be difficult, right? Because it is going to be difficult. They always are, and you should just go into the into it as a kind of, you know, trying to experience the world that's being created and leaning into that. You know the art direction visual sound all of that stuff is the reason i think initially attracted people to the game as it were or the you know the kind of soulsborne genre in general especially from software stuff 
um once you're in it i think the thing that takes over is the perseverance of it all you know the the challenge uh, and being able to conquer what sometimes seems like you know impossible odds mm. um i think for some people that's that's the exact thing that puts them off and i don't think there's a you'll ever change from that if you see what i mean mm. i think the only way you change from that is if you start actually beating bosses and getting through the game because it becomes extremely addictive right where you're like I, no i really want to do this and i think the thing with souls games and it's probably the thing that people overlook sometimes when they go into it and they play a couple of bosses and they get destroyed is that souls games aren't unfair they're all about trying to teach you about the mistakes you're making you know the bosses aren't uh, telegraphed you know for the most part there's very few that i think there was one in one of the bloodborne dlcs which was the most horrific moving boss i've ever seen and it was really hard to telegraph but um you know people just think well it, it's too unfair right i'm just getting destroyed and 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 don't really stick with it to understand the nuances of how you're supposed to move and how you're supposed to fight and how you're supposed to you know wait for your openings and that sort of stuff and for some people it just it, it will never it will never fall into a camp of something they want to play but i think if you stick with the if you stick with them and you start beating bosses and you start exploring the world you'll become addicted as, as many people have and then you start to see the broader context of wow this is beautiful the story's really abstract but really interesting and um you know there's the rpg elements which are a big part of it right you know um armors and weapons and building your character's stats and all that sort of stuff so um it's it's a hard question to answer yeah I, I I, it wasn't just, meant to be easy to... so i know it's quite yeah. open-ended but <laughs> i think it's i think in i think the thing is if you look at that trailer and think this looks incredible you should play it right <laughs> you, yeah you know, no, if course, you think, yeah i think you should put out of your mind that oh it's a souls game because i think if if you've got the money and you look at it and you really think this looks incredible then go and pick it up uh you know wait maybe wait to see what other people say about it for sure because there's never a surefire bet with games it could come out really badly i don't think it's going to be the case here because from software haven't made a bad game but um yeah just i mean just go and watch the trailer and if it interests you i think go and pick it up it's where do you stand on difficulty modes in those types of games look because i think there's a quite yeah, a, a big discussion yeah. around it and i think the the difficulty is one of the things that puts new players off and speaking personally it's kind of one of the things that you know I, i'm not a big fan of just beating my head against something and i appreciate obviously you know it, th there's there's patterns to learn and things like that uh, but obviously that maybe comes uh, or, or is a little bit more natural to to some people, particularly those who are maybe a little bit more familiar with the genre than someone who's completely new to it. Um, and I don't think Bloodborne, Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, I don't think any of those games have difficulty mods. And I think yeah. a lot of the discussion I've seen in the past has largely been around, well, it's the it's the creative intention or vision behind yeah. the game that this is this is this is how it is. Um but maybe the element of a, a difficulty mod would it would make the game maybe a little bit little bit more accessible but then i see kind of like the diehards who are like absolutely not you can't have difficulty in the, the these types of games because the difficulty is so fundamental uh in part of the game's design that it would kind of almost break it if that makes sense mm -hmm. where, where, where do you stand on that yourself um i don't i don't like the idea of you know when when as you alluded to when people say well they shouldn't change this at all because it's the intention of the developer to make this deliberately difficult. I think it is the intention of 
and it always has been the intention of From Software to make their games very challenging. And they're, you know, challenging for story reasons, for sure. You know, again, you know, going back to the point I was making about your very tiny bit of this world that wants to kill you, and that's the kind of constant theme across all of their all of the all of the Soulsborne games. Um, but I, I personally don't have any issue with the idea of from introducing a secondary mode, which is easier, you know. Um, because I think it doesn't it doesn't affect the people that you know want to get their asses hand, handed to them yeah. and want to persevere. Like it doesn't make any difference to those people because you know you can play it as the director intended it. But I think for people who either struggle with these games or um, perhaps you know, and there's a, there's a really kind of bigger moral ethical point almost about you know accessibility in these sorts of mm. games. They aren't accessible by the nature of them. Really, they're not. You know because they're they require very fast reflexes sometimes and you know that's that's difficult for some people um I, yeah I, I don't have an issue with people you know wanting an easier mode because ultimately is it going to affect me no and it means more people get to experience the world and the yeah. story and the the art and if that you know if that means that some of the difficulty has to be sacrificed on a mode i don't I don't see why that's an issue because we shouldn't gatekeep games behind difficulty levels. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, whether from do that or not is a different thing, and I think you know it's commendable to some extent if they want to just be like, no, this is this is what we think is the way that we want you to experience the game. Um, but equally, you know, it's it's not for everyone, and um, difficulty is always one of those things that can really turn people off and for some people yeah. it's just not possible to to get through the game so um i think that this one they look like they whilst they don't have a different mode there's stuff in and, and they've increasingly done this where there is stuff you can do in the game to make it easier so whether that's through you know the online summoning system where you can get people in to help you with bosses you know which are often the most difficult part and even though the bosses scale with people it's a lot easier to or somewhat easier to beat them um when you have you know someone aggroing it and you know you're in the back chopping its legs down or whatever and it's not really paying yeah. much attention to you uh and they've got these summons in this game now which i think they showed off um in the in the gameplay reveal where you can kind of summon you know free npcs to help you fight and it's like a spell and they've said there's many different ones so they are trying to introduce that element of okay if you need help in the game it's going to be there but they I, I don't think they've committed to going well actually you know if you really need help here's a separate set you know easier mode um, yeah um and it'd be interesting to see if they do i'm sure the backlash from the hardcore community will be will be uh immense if they do but as long as it doesn't affect the experience for someone else in terms of you can pick how you want to play it I don't, I don't have any issue at all. I think the thing yeah, that's I kept think... me the, the thing that's kept me away from them though is just the because I, I I'm guessing I'm still learning kind of what gamer I am and I I get frustrated having to keep doing the rinse and repeat thing just trying to sort of systematically learn the boss's moves and 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 you know having a look at the at the tells and the reads that you get off of the bosses of what attack they're going to do next and stuff and I just hate that feeling of just you know chipping away at this huge block dying every time starting again I just get so irritated and frustrated with that that it's such a massive speed bump for me to get over that mm. it's just never really got me into the I've just never got over that part um and like you say you know got got into that 
got got past my first boss and got that buzz that you get from from beating it to be honest but i'm quite pleased to see that there is a a co-op element to elden ring i'm also pleased to see that it is open world um because like you say i think one of the other things that um those sort of games do is they do box you in into the fight so like you said there is very little room for either escape or maneuver so you can't game the game almost you it's very formulaic and you and you have to do yeah. what the game prescribes or what it wants you to do which i'm kind of fine with but it's just the learning process that i find so painful and i i wished i didn't because i absolutely love the atmosphere from these games they look so moody and there's the demon souls on yeah. the ps5 it looks such a gorgeous game it is one of yeah, the most atmospheric games i can describe and i think elden ring did that for me as well it looked really atmospheric mm-hmm. and i you know we've all seen a trillion open world fantasy games before but there was just something about that one that just felt ever so slightly different and i can't quite put my finger on it but it was a very appealing world to want to be in it's just like i say getting over those boss battles and like you say i think and again it's done on purpose but it's so daunting isn't it when like you say you're such a tiny little thing and you're battling this this monster or this this boss that's got you know six different kinds of attack and you don't necessarily know which one's coming next until you've got the experience of learning it all um, it is yeah. very overwhelming at first, but I was really pleased with what I saw with Elden Ring. I, I would love it to be my gateway game into those sort of games. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll have to just kind of kind of see. I know some of the community have actually been complaining around that they've kind of keep reusing the same animations and stuff. Um, I don't think it's oh, yeah, usually yeah, it's blown awesome. some people away, is it? Uh, no, but I mean, I think... <sighs> Again, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, I mean, it's a cross-gen game, so it was never going to be, mm. you know, a big next-gen showpiece or anything like that. Um, it's also their first open-world game, so mm. um, that will, you know, dictate how it looks to some extent. Um, but I think that what... what And it's the case for all From Software games, apart from Demon's Souls, when it was remade by Bluepoint, as you said, which visually is still up there one of the best next gen things so far is what these games lack in kind of graphical fidelity they make up for with with art direction Mm. um because they look stunning not because they're visually stunning although i I think their engine's getting better and better and certainly elden ring looks really nice visually but it's it's just everything else that goes around that so the use of color the use of you know design um, the artistry that goes into the environments and all that sort of stuff that's that's the thing that I think is stunning about the games in much the same way that the legend of, you know Breath of the Wild is a stunning looking game but it's not really because of the visuals it's because of the art behind it you know and the scale of stuff and the use of color like it just pops and I think this does the same thing That's really cool. No, thanks for your thanks for your input on that, Luke. I know we've all asked you a lot of questions as our resident Souls <laughs> gamer and fan. Uh, I know Flap, you've kind of said mainly your piece. Do you have anything else you wanted to add at all before we move on to the next topic? And I know Scott as well. You've asked a few questions with Scott uh, with Luke. Sorry, uh, and well, I'll start with you, Flap, first. Actually, is there anything else you'd like to add before I move on to Scott for his final not, thoughts? Not really. It's going to be interesting to see it on the Xbox platform. Um... That's a good point, actually, because it's primarily playstation isn't it for the most part or am i wrong it's coming to dark us. souls have been multi-platform it's just oh, yeah, sorry, okay. it's, it's, it's only 
Yeah, it's only Bloodborne and Demon's Souls. Oh, okay. So, sure. But it just makes me it's wonder awesome. if you know if if they could if they could get that onto Game Pass, that would be a massive coup. And to be honest, if they did, I would be absolutely bought into Elden Ring. Um, am I going to part with seventy bucks for it? Seventy pounds? Don't know. Be interesting. Hmm. Sure. How about yourself, Scott? I know you asked a few questions of uh, of Luke already, but uh, any other closing thoughts before I move on regarding Elden Ring? Is there yeah, anything no, you jump into regarding Luke's, after Luke's comments? Sorry, no, no, nothing, nothing really to add. Um, obviously, I'm really sort of pleased to hear sort of Luke's excitement. You know, for you know <laughs> that the game seemingly seems to be living up to the to the hype so far. Um, it's not my type of game, if I'm being completely honest. Um, though those styles of games, I haven't really been able to get into Dark Souls in the past, so I kind of don't share that excitement. Um, but it's just because that's not, not typically my genre. Um, the closest I kind of got to was I played Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order um, early, earlier this year, but that was kind of part of that is more the Star Wars and sci-fi setting. something that I'm a little bit more... Um, uh, interested in and then the fantasy set and i think everything that looks said in terms of the atmosphere and how it looks in the art direction i agree with all, all of that entirely um I, I wrote down three notes earlier today on on, on elden ring i'll just read them verbatim as i've written them down so okay. boss battles looked fantastic mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah the battle music in particular was fantastic the rest of it was a bit meh. <laughs> Those were the three <laughs> notes I literally wrote, wrote down um, because I did think the boss design was was great, but then kind of went uh, the, the rest of it kind of didn't didn't really um, didn't really do an awful lot for us. But that's because I'm not I'm not a big big fan of that game. That that's not not a knock on the game. I'm sure it's, it's going to be fantastic and. Um, for people who who like those those types of games, um, the reason I asked the difficulty question was because that's probably something that would maybe make me more interested if I knew it had an easy mode where I just want to go and I just want to experience this world. I just want to take in the story, take in that atmosphere without the frustration of beating my head against the wall, being able to knock it down a few notches in difficulty. That might make us interested. So I can jump in and I can experience. Um, everything that Luke's just said there, but without that, I know for a fact I'm going to run it difficult. This is not a game I play very often. I'll happily admit there was once or twice, even in Jedi Fallen Order, that I knocked down the difficulty just because I wanted to get through it. I wasn't happy to just keep the second sister, whatever her name was. She pissed me off a few times, um, and um, yeah, that's not something I kind of want to do for for a full game you, you know what i mean so um yeah that, that's 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 kind of where, where i'm at, at the moment yeah no fair enough i saw a few comments from india as well to me saying hey but you liked hollow knight and that's got like souls-esque like boss battles and stuff which yeah i guess so um and as but then mainly as, as luke said as well you know i'm i'm sitting here saying that i've watched the trailer and oh wow it looks really cool and interesting and i'm really taken by it then uh if the recommendation is Avoid, like, remove what you currently think of a Souls game and just try it and play it, then uh, I think that's what I'll do. <laughs> but no, thank you, everyone. Before, um, is there any comments? Sorry, uh, Luke, well, if you don't yeah. mind, Luke. Um, well, no, Pong, Pong Soul wrote kind of summed up what I was trying to say. Is uh, Pong Soul's tried oh, okay, yep. uh, Souls games multiple times over the years and they are not for him. He loves watching the others play them, um, because of the style. However, watching the gameplay of Elden Ring. Um, he's going to give it another go on day one, and yeah, it's it's kind of how I feel about it, to be honest. Yeah, no worries. Is that all for comments? Uh, we've got quite a few. Um, she's no elite reveal. Just made a few me, before I move on. Yeah, yeah, no, the reveal made me even more hyped, um, like Halo hyped as well. I think you mentioned that. Um, 
What else have we got? Uh, yeah, and Pyro M also mentioned about the Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order kind of being Souls-esque, um, mm. which Scott mentioned. No worries. No, that's great. Thank you, everybody. Um, I'm aware of time, so maybe try and squeeze in two topics. We'll see how this next one goes, but uh, I'm going to move straight on now. So another bit of different news now. So PlayStation stuff now and Devolver Digital. So it was announced later, sorry, earlier in the week that PlayStation have now put more money into Devolver Digital and now own a minority, sorry, now have a minority stake in Devolver. Um, and I thought this was quite interesting. Five percent, yeah. yeah. So pretty small. Well, by a number, that sounds small, but that's that five percent is probably quite a large chunk of well, money. The I company imagine. was so, um, yeah. valued at a billion. Fifty million. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. There, there you go then. So my, my interest in this was many from, well, as well, alongside what I believe most of us currently think about PlayStation anyway, in that they don't really, yes, there are indie games on the platform, of course, but they don't necessarily cater for them alongside their AAA offerings. They're very much, well, or quadruple A as well, you know, if you want to go into that territory. But um, they're very much focused on those massive big blockbuster hits and stuff that we've mentioned in the past. But um, I was interested in this because I kind of thought, well, you know, Devolver are very much known for publishing, you know, well, larger scale indies, arguably, to some extent. But, um, you know, they do publish indie titles as well as maybe, and develop some in-house as well. And a lot of which are very well loved and are successful across all pl- different platforms. So, this got me interested because given all that stuff, you know, of what I just said, you know, is this, and the question to the panel mainly, is this PlayStation's kind of beginnings or innings to maybe start looking into and investing more, not just in an indie uh, publisher, but, you know, is this their way to try and get more indie content first and foremost on PlayStation? Um, I think I'm going to take this to yourself, Scott, first, if you don't mind. Um have you seen this news did you manage to read much about it um you know and what are your general thoughts on this you know do you reckon given playstation's general messaging that they're mainly focusing on their big triple a uh, yeah quadruple a triple a um first party blockbusters you know do you reckon this is maybe their beginnings to maybe look into and focus more time on indie offerings on the playstation platform and giving them a bit more focus and light I'm 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 not too sure, folks. If I'm being completely honest, I I looked into it uh, essentially just for some additional context. Uh, Devolver essentially went public on the London Stock Exchange last mm-hmm. last week. So I think the timing, well, it's not a timing thing. It was just they went public. I assume pretty much anybody could just buy the shares if they, if they wanted. I'm not too sure how that stuff works. Maybe Luke can elaborate a little bit more on that if he's if he's more familiar. But uh, essentially, they went public, and Sony took the opportunity to to make an investment, uh, a minority investment, at, at, in that uh, time. But I don't necessarily see this um, being in any way sort of, or I guess it could be maybe indirectly linked to maybe their strategy for indie titles going forward. Um, But I don't necessarily see it having like a direct link. Like I don't think we're going to see more Devolver games exclusive to PlayStation going forward because of this minority investment. I think what this is, is just Sony being a business, just seeing an opportunity to potentially earn more money (laughs) um, and and taking that opportunity. Sony have made some... Mm um investments um fairly recently you know they they made um quite a significant investment in epic games um two i think once earlier this year and then another one in 2020 i think they've almost um invested about half a billion dollars into in epic games which i think crazily netted them about two percent of the of the value of the business which is staggering to, to think about it they obviously um made an investment in discord um, fairly fairly recently as as well um and 
I know obviously each investment is likely to be different, but I don't think we've noticed anything significant off the back of those investments in terms of um, game output or exclusivity or, or anything like that. I kind of think this is just um, more of the same. It's just an opportunity for for Sony to to invest in what is a very good publisher of games. I, I sort of Devolver are kind of up there with Annapurna, I think, in a way, in terms of like if Devolver are publishing it, you're probably interested because they publish so many great, particularly indie indie titles. Um, but I don't see this having sort of a significant impact sort of on the ongoing strategy in terms of uh, indie games on PlayStation. Um, I think they've already made much better efforts this generation compared to the previous generation um, in terms of the indie game offering that, that they have. But um, I don't think it was too long ago that where ind- independent developers were kind of fairly vocal about the issues that they had in advertising their games on PlayStation or getting support from from account managers, uh, account managers of PlayStation, which since then we haven't really heard anything, at least publicly from Sony uh, or from any developers that that were potentially impacted that there's been any changes there. And I don't think this investment um, signals any change to that. I think it's just purely a business opportunity where they can see an opportunity to um, uh, potentially make some some money for further further down the line. But uh, I guess from my perspective, I don't see five percent investment having sort of any or having too much weight um, in, in the company. I think the company is still majority owned by the actual employees of Devolver themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't see it having too much too much of an impact. But I'm not familiar with that world of investments and what that might mean for for certain things. So I might I might hand it over to Flap and look if they've maybe got got anything anything more to to add to that. Yeah, I think you made a good point there, Scott, actually, as well, about, um, you know, I think a lot of the gaming press and headlines and outlets and articles and stuff, obviously, as, as gaming news, um, always put the name PlayStation in it. But, yeah, I think you made a good point saying that, yeah, you know, they've gone public and it's not like PlayStation have done it. Obviously, it's the Sony Corporation, which have uh, invested as, as far as I understand it. So yeah. I think you're right, actually. Let's, um, if you don't mind, Luke, let's come to you. Uh, have I posed my question incorrectly, necessarily? Or, you know, is this just a... Sony investing in a company they believe is going to make them some profit or is this you know is this potentially an underlying message to, not to read into it that's not what I'm trying to imply but um you know is this maybe their way of maybe having an inning with an indie publisher slash dev to help their indie offerings uh you know what can you tell us about that world and yeah what do you think yeah no it's uh it, it was an interesting uh interesting course of action really I don't, I don't think anyone knew that Devolver were we're having an IPO. So, um, well, I mean, clearly a lot of people did, but they weren't privy to uh, disclosing it. So, um, Was you surprised by the value? I, that really surprised me. Uh, no, not at all. No? Not at all. Um, I mean, you know, you've, Devolver make a, a lot of money mm. and, you know, uh, valuations on IPOs are always a little bit inflated anyway. Mm. Um but um it, it didn't it didn't surprise me. If it come out at maybe three or four billion, I think that would have been weird. But mm. one billion sounds about right ish uh for them. So um yeah, no, I think in terms of Sony's investment, you know, it's more of and and I think the, the understanding of what what the investment what they can do with the investment is kind of important more than what they intend to do because they might you know you you might want to do all sorts of things if you buy some shares in a company right but you don't actually you're not actually able to affect those Mm. 
I think, and and we don't know the ins and outs of um, how they're, you know, we know that they're a minority shareholder, they've got 5%, but we don't know um, what, if any, influence they can wield uh, with their, their shares in terms of the constitutional makeup of, of Devolver itself and, and how, you know, decision-making goes on. We know that the, um, the they, as Scott said, they're pretty much majority owned by the management team um, or their founders, etc. So in terms of the day-to-day of Devolver, um, they're not going to suddenly change. And I think this was a concern from some people, you know, to or suddenly they're making, you know, live AAA service games or something like that. Like they've done this specifically, essentially to make sure they have a lot of liquidity coming into their company and they don't have to worry about exactly that, right? Having to pivot away from what they do which is having these really strange but really creative and successful independent games. Um, and and make no mistake, they're still an indie publisher, right? They're, I know they're worth a lot of money and they now have a lot of money and they have investment. In fact, I think NetEase actually got 8% of them, uh, for example, on the listing. So it's not just Sony that are in there, it's, it's NetEase as well and, and no doubt loads of other institutional investors. Um, but the important thing is that they've retained control in terms of the overall shareholding with their existing management. So nothing's going to change. Now, you know, Sony might have some influence in terms of what they can do, but I, it's going to be very little. And it's probably, as people have said, more for a, you know, we're, we're partners, so to speak, you know, PlayStation and Devol- or Sony and Devolver are partners. And it makes sense for Sony, given that Devolver bring many games to their platform and they obviously see them as a real pivotal player in the independent space to go, you know, here's some extra cash. They're trying to contribute to the success of that company. Obviously, what it means for Sony is if, you know, all goes well and Devolver continue to to do well, their shares continue to increase in price, you know, they can make a gain on, on their investment if they want to sell it eventually, you know, and that's that's a big thing. Um, they Devolver also might now have a really great you know dividend policy uh for when they're successful again that's extra cash for sony so um and you know for devolver taking that sort of investment for a a very small percentage of their company is really great you know if they've got it's a five percent valuation on a one billion it's a five percent investment on a one billion one billion uh valuation so it's probably about 50 50 million dollars um that's an awful lot of money for the (laughs) for the kind of games that Devolver make, right? They don't have massive development budgets or anything like that. So that will keep them going for a very long time. Um, So I think it's a win-win, to be honest. Uh, I don't think it will be, you know, suddenly you've got X game launching in uh, on PlayStation exclusively or from Devolver or anything like that. You might have those deals anyway, but there will be more, if that does happen, it won't necessarily have have come from this investment if you see what i mean it will come yeah. from probably some other some other uh contract that they've entered into some other um arrangement that they've come to it's not you know playstation can't influence things at devolver just because they've got five percent you know i've got zero point zero 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 whatever of microsoft i can do absolutely fuck all to do with them you know so <laughs> so i can't do anything because i have and even huge institutional investors in microsoft you know can't really do much i mean there are pressures you can public companies are subject to and management teams you know shareholders generally can um vote down certain decisions they you know all public companies uh, on the london stock exchange have to have yearly appointment of directors in terms of you know this director's now up for appointment again 
do the shareholders want to reappoint them? They can say no <laughs> if they want. They don't usually unless things are going really bad. So there's those kind of things that Devolver are now subject to. But as long as they're doing well and they're doing the things that they're doing, they're not going to be um, they're not going to be subject to any of that. So um, I think they will be fine, and hopefully we'll get and we should get even more great games out of them. Look out of interest in, uh, and I appreciate your your points of view because they're, they're they're far more insightful than anything I could see on on this sort of topic. That that sort of fifty million dollars, um, yeah. Does that just go into the pockets? Does that go just purely into the bank for the company? Is 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 that going to the pockets of the previous private owners? Or obviously the the previous owners have essentially, as far as I know, kind of given up a portion of the company to go public. But they've obviously already stated that the majority is still owned by the management team and the employees of the business. So let's say, for example, they give a forty nine percent of the mm-hmm. of, of the business. Um, is, is that money going purely into the bank account at Devolver? Is that going to the pockets of the previous man or the current management team, or is it maybe a combination of of, of the two? How does this how, how does this typically work in in your experience? Uh, so. It would, in I mean, it depends on the way it was structured pre-IPO because it seems like they've kind of acquired the shares concurrent with the IPO, if that makes any sense at all. Mm. Um, but um, 95% of the time, the way that that works is that it just goes into the bank account of the company. So the company okay. has, you know, there will there will have been, uh, it, fun, funnily enough, um, I did uh, an IPO of a, company recently to the new york stock exchange so um and that was for four point uh, not just me by the way i'm not that good in, <laughs> <laughs> with a with a team we did a listing of a, a, a company in jersey uh on the new york stock exchange uh, they were valued at 4.5 billion dollars uh, a completely different industry but the way that had to work was you know there was a a whole restructuring of the share capital in that company you know you have to restructure how, how it works in terms of the shares you know um what rights the shares have etc cetera, etc cetera. and then once you once you list um there can be stuff like the sony thing where they will take a big portion of those shares and all the company is doing is saying here are a bunch of shares you give us a bunch of money for them we'll take that money away and that's it what and and that's exactly how you say where it, it goes into the hands of the company not not the management even though they're kind of linked intrinsically. Yeah. It means that Devolver basically has more cash. She has more liquidity now. So that investment from Sony, that investment from NetEase, you know, all of that um, will be readily available for Devolver to go, okay, right, what are our priorities now? Um, and as I say, for a company, even though they're worth a lot, for a company that makes the type of games that they do, $50 million is, you know, that could fund, yeah. I don't know, maybe 10, 10 games. Right, it could fund yeah. it could fund so many games for them. So, uh, I just see it as a as a real positive, and uh, and also no doubt the uh, the founders are now filthy stinking rich as a result. <laughs> um, but uh, you know they'll be incentivized uh, by various things to become even richer if they can do even better with the company. So they'll be they'll be sitting happy. Uh, they yeah. will have been really pushing for the IPO to happen as quickly as possible, so they can overnight become multi multi millionaires. Yeah, that, that that's fair. I mean, they did come out and talk about how you know they they didn't expect it to sort of impact the culture, and it allows them to grow the business um, and support more games. So I guess that's 
the the hope from like our perspective obviously um we don't necessarily care if somebody got got stinking rich off of this sort of thing but if ultimately it means that devolver are going to be released more um games of the caliber that they release games of then then that's going to yeah. hopefully be uh going to be the outcome and, and a real positive for us yeah and and you can see you know that i think they announced concurrently with the ipo that they bought like four development teams so they they purchased crow team who make um serious sam uh developers have entered the gungeon they bought um i think a couple of others as well yeah. so they've had they've already you know you're already seeing the fruits of the ipo labor as it were where they're like okay well let's go and sp- let's go and spend some money you know let's go and, let's go and buy these guys up and and you know have them continue to work under us and be incentivized by all this cash we've got you know still making the same kind of games um but now we don't have to worry about um you know maybe having to pivot certain stuff if it's not successful enough they can just focus on what makes devolver great which is publishing really unique indie games but they could really hurry up and get that katana zero dlc out with this yeah that would be just great chuck a couple of million to them uh, and then <laughs> and then have them do it yeah that would be great no thank you very much for your comments there luke uh very insightful there our resident legal expert uh i suppose flat but uh, knowing all of what luke said um I'm going to re- rephrase my question, I guess. I know we're kind of running up out of time near the end of the show, but uh, yeah, this sounds like great things for the Devolver, right? I mean, given what Luke's just told us, this isn't necessarily any messaging regarding Sony's or PlayStation's uh, indie offerings, but more so it's just Sony's investment into Devolver, of which we can only expect more great things from, from Devolver. Like, what do you think? Yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. They're an interesting publisher, aren't they? They come out with some some absolute gems of games and stuff. Um, like Luke said, you know, fifty million is a lot. They they can do a lot with that money, and I, and I certainly hope and, and think they will. To be honest, uh, so it's interesting and exciting to see what may be coming further down the line. Um, I like uh, everyone said. I think it was just fifty million in. And a percentage of a return back out. I don't think there was much more to it than that. Although I'm sure Devolver are very grateful for Sony's investment and their trust and faith in them. So perhaps there are some sort of favours that may come along to perhaps early access to certain games, or you know, you never know what's what's in the in the pipeline with that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, no, Devolver are interesting. One of my favourites. Um, Devolver Games is actually my friend, friend Pedro. Really caught me off guard that one. I absolutely. Loved I that love game. that game. Yeah, yeah. I really um, enjoyed that. But you know, we've more recently we've got so uh, we've had Death's Door thing. Is it Weird West? Does that come out next year on the consoles? Um, Carrion as well. Quite liked Carrion. We can't can't pronounce it Carry On yeah. because obviously in the UK <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that so means something slightly here. different. <laughs> Uh, so we'll call it Sid James yeah exactly <laughs> so we'll, we'll call it carrion for the time being but so you know, you know some great games and you know if this money and investment um you know um carries that on then, then fantastic it's, it's going to be great to see that grow and it's an interesting point pucks you know um you know there has been some commentary around uh playstation and their sort of uh, um, indie offerings and what they've been doing with some of their smaller indie studios so Perhaps this is a little bit to give back, and um, yeah, perhaps it gives them a little bit more of a place footing in the indie market to a certain degree. Mm. That's great news. That's great stuff. Thank you very much, panel, and thank you very much, chat as well, for for tuning in. We are running out of time, unfortunately, so we do not have time to delve into my last topic, but maybe we'll save that in the bank for for the next one. But uh, before I do close this off entirely, uh, Flap, do we have any other closing comments about this topic before we uh, end the show? Uh, not massively. Um, I know uh, Indie Gamer's been very interesting to see how it kind of unfolds. Mm. 
But uh, yeah, no, pretty much kind of listening to kind of Luke's insight to this. Um, one last one. She's really, I absolutely love my friend Pedro. So much fun. It caught, really caught me off guard that one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Indy's just confirmed Weird West is January release. Is it? I thought it was already out on PC. Perhaps it's not. I, I thought it was coming to consoles next year, but perhaps I'm wrong. Um, yeah. And Dragon Ball fans with, ooh, Matron. So, and with that, I think we've I think we've reached the end of the show, chaps. So, uh, thank you very much for being here, and thank you, chat, as well. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the show. Uh, how did you all find it? Uh, I'll do a very quick outro, I guess. So, uh, yeah, Scott, what did you think of the show? Enjoy this one today. I know we've not done outros for a while, so I'm going to do one. Yeah, loved it, mate. Um, obviously, the uh, the horizon and the early access topics were were nice and juicy, weren't they? Definitely, so, yeah. really, really en- en- enjoyed the show, mate. Um, I think if I can just mention a couple of things. Um, first of all, just as to let people know, we will be doing a live reactions to the twentieth anniversary stream next yes. Monday. So keep an eye on on that. Um, and also, we kind of discussed in the chat last week. We're probably going to do some sort of Halo. Um, podcast special type thing at some point in the run-up to halo infinite and uh, we originally thought somewhere maybe like around the 6th 7th of december sort of pre-release um but nice and you know close but based on those early access conversation we had earlier on today we might have to bring that forward but do keep an <laughs> yeah, eye on, to on be those confirmed, two things yeah. as well yeah now thank you very much for bringing it up uh scott appreciate that very much uh that's very true uh luke do you have a good one today which uh we had some pretty juicy topics regarding the uh <laughs> forza stuff right yeah no i definitely really enjoyed that and uh yeah i mean the, the fourth topic is uh always a good one uh lots of different opinions on that which i always think uh is mm. is really cool to hear and uh no right answers uh so uh it, you know it's those are always the interesting ones as well so uh, 100%. so yeah no, definitely thank, thank you very much luke and finally our resident uh host and founder flat uh did you enjoy the show did you have a good one yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, like you say, the opening topics were kind of interesting. That whole kind of paying for early access was a topic that kind of came out of nowhere, really. I wasn't really expecting to have to do that topic, but it was something that kind of cropped up, and it is a very interesting point. And as as we said earlier, to reiterate a point we've all made several times, I just you know I just hope it's not the shape of things to come, but time will tell on that. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I just need to make sure that we do another shout for the video. This isn't my gameplay footage. This was uh, captured for, uh, from MK Ice and Fire um, YouTube channel. Please go and check them out. There is a link in the dis- uh, description below. They do walkthroughs and stuff. So thanks to them for this video. Um, chat, fantastic as ever. You guys have been amazing. Please like, share and subscribe if you're new. Um, and we will do our utmost to get these shows back on all of our podcast uh, outlets as well. Um, there, there is a slight issue around that. I will try and get back on it uh, this week and, and get those uploaded. So, uh, yeah, no, thanks. If you can help us share, um, you know, the GPG channel um, out on Twitter and the socials, we'd be eternally grateful. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next one. Definitely. And just for those, I've seen a few names in the chat today. So, just another quick one. You can find us all, GPG crew are all on Twitter and our handles are in the description below as well. So if you'd like to follow and communicate with us and see what we're up to, by all means, follow us, each of us on there. And equally, a lot of our discussions and some of the topics actually all came from our Discord uh, channel. Uh, sorry, yeah, Discord server and the communications which happen on those channels, sorry. So if you if you would like to communicate with us and the rest of the GPG family outside of the show, please uh, feel free to join our Green Pass Gaming server on Discord, of which you can find the link in the description. So thank you very much. 
Uh, thank you very much for joining us and being here as well. I think Flap's going to handle the outro. Uh, so until next time, thank you for tuning in. Take care, guys. <laughs>